You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. I'm JP. And I'm Gareth. And it's another Monday. We're back after a mammoth Q&A episode yesterday uh, on our Patreon uh, that people can uh, check out. They're evergreen, those things. So if you haven't uh, got through it yet, you still can. We've, uh, we're live here on a Monday night with our patrons. We've just been chatting about Nick's trainers, pub, all kinds of stuff. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a fun Monday night, isn't it, JP? <laughs> <laughs> it really is. There's a lot of the God. If you thought the preamble to the start of these shows were bad, fuck me. There's like a further forty odd minutes that you're not even like kind of taking part in for that point um, as well. Yeah, all sorts in there. A potentially liable, libelous conversation about like dodgy teachers at schools and the the various clouds that they seem to leave their place of employment in. <laughs> yeah, shocking stuff, but at the same time, very illuminating. <laughs> yeah, Puma's... Get your money's worth. <laughs> yeah, Gareth yeah. did a deep dive on uh, on whether uh, Nix was uh, still a current brand or not. We got the, uh, was, the, was the answer to that no? They don't exist anymore? It doesn't look like it, but no. yeah, they've... Uh, Going for a bit of an eBay. Find a find. Have you got a pair in, on your loft or just in the back of a cupboard somewhere? Hmm. Fucking cash in. Get them on eBay. There's money <laughs> to be made on the old mixed trainers. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Like I say, better better investing in Bitcoin. Could have been millionaires, JP. <laughs> well, I'll just say, and maybe it's I'm a luddite here. At least there seems to be a tangible product that's mm-hmm. been being bought here, as opposed to crypto and NFTs, which I've had it explained to me, but no one explains what exactly you're getting in return. Mm. So sorry. Apparently, it's bad for the environment. That's all I know, really, JP. Oh, terrible for the environment. Mm. The worst for the environment. Do you know why? Yeah. Um, isn't it to do with the enormous amounts of server storage? Oh, right. Okay, stuff? there you go. Yeah, there you go. We know something about them then. Yeah, I think that's it. But yeah. then there's people who use. I remember hearing a story in the Blind Boy podcast of a fella he went to school with who was using his solar panels to mine. Um, to make money to mine mm. Bitcoin, which he was using to fund his online poker habit. What a world that you've got yourself in where you're stealing sunlight <laughs> to buy a fictional currency to fund your gambling problem. Like that's <laughs> that's a set of circumstances I don't think anyone can expect. But, um, it sounds better than losing your house. Yeah. That it does. Um <laughs> <laughs> but the sun pays for you. I mean, that's something that I would expect from fucking Egypt. <laughs> you know, it's 6,000 BC. Jesus. <laughs> but oh, yes. I was going to say, uh, you know, well, Ivan mentions there uh, from the Q&A, they apparently watched my uh, wrestling career highlight video and the first day it's, it's almost <laughs> en- almost all entrances. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> that is. That is... <laughs> 
<laughs> it's a uh, it's highlights in, a, in the most ironic form possible. It's just it's just clips of me getting beaten up, everyone. That's all it is. You're not missing nothing. Great entrances, but but you know you're getting the shine on everyone else. That was the <laughs> no. job. You got it, Barry Horowitz style. <laughs> there was no shine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, Daniel Warhol's either. No, no, no. We talked all that, yeah. No, uh, no choice in my entrance music, unfortunately. I was uh, stuffed with the Austrian. Yeah. But yeah, that Q and A was fun. We got uh, we got some some answers to some burning questions. Found out what uh, what you guys would have uh, chosen for uh, for entrance music as wrestlers. Uh, JP was uh, was hoping to be a meme wrestler, and we found that out. You know, but, uh, yeah. some things about each other on that Q and A show. I think we did, didn't we? It all. Very one of the questions, which is what is the most scared you've ever been? I mean, that's I've quite, still got an answer for like, that. There's a lot there. Mm. There's a lot to kind of think about and contemplate. Mm. Like you just think, God, this this could this could get very dark very quickly. And then um Gareth told him about the time that a ghost miner <laughs> and that's like someone with a you know, mining fucking coal. From Down Pit. Down Pit. Um basically tried to sexually assault him. Um <laughs> <as a> ghost. <laughs> Would I be right in saying that? Is that an accurate assessment of that story, Gareth? Well, uh, the ending's slightly different to how I remember it. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but you can have your fantasies, JP. You can. Uh... He was up to no good, that fella, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I, mean, I had the uh, I had the duvet over me. You know, oh, fail safe. You know, mm. some uh, some unwanted person in your bedroom, duvet over your head every time. <laughs> it's the, the fail-safe way of getting out of any tricky situation. <laughs> I did that. I did that when the Canary Wharf bombings went off from the IRA in the early nineties. So I was having a kit. <laughs> the duvet over my head. All good. Sort out. I was fine. So, like, you can't argue with the results. <laughs> oh, God. I, I, thought that, I thought the most scared you'd been, Benno, was where, mm. when you were questioning whether you might be able to edit that story or so or not. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> yes, there, uh, it was an uncensored Q&A, but no, I think it needed a little bit of censor, and that will come for I- a future Patreon to hear some of the stories, though. <laughs> I would say for you, Benno, the most scariest thing seems yet to come because you need to give us an update on the um, phantom dog shit. <laughs> and what appears to be a group of people trying to audition for the CCTV bit of Crime Watch, rest in peace. Mm. Um, you know. Oh, so yeah, how is a, it going? All right, I had, a, I had a fucking... Like, this was um, Thursday morning, so I went to, went to London for the weekend, and like before I left, I got up in the morning. Anyone who follows me on Twitter will have seen. I had a, I had a put through my door. It was uh, one of my neighbours, uh, who's <laughs> who's going to be a lead character in this story going forward, saying that... Because um, I've, got, I've got some... Like, I'm trying to make the outside of my house a bit nicer, you know, just trying to like, put off... The, the phantom dog shitter and put off the uh, the people causing trouble just be like yeah it's a nice place someone lives here you know don't be a dickhead don't don't shit on me welcome Matt uh, and yeah I got up and there was a note through me door saying one of my uh, said something like your, your new plant hi Richard your new plant has been dug up probably a cat hopefully not a rat but but it will need covering quickly and I was like what what? And I went outside my door, and yet one of my uh, one of my plants had been turned up and pretty much taken out of its bowl. Um, this is my na- this is my my lovely neighbour uh, Jeannie, um, who is uh, I don't know. Uh, JP is very suspicious of her. She's a fucking monster, mate. Kathy Bates out of fucking misery. It's like that's that's what she is. Sorry, that's what I've got in mind. Like, and at some point you're going to end up strapped to the bed and she'll be smashing in your fucking ankles with a massive sledgehammer. <laughs> 
So. Oh, well, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people on Twitter were, were saying that, like that, that is that seems like a likely story. Like, uh, you know, oh yeah, was it a cat or a rat or was it just Jeannie? But I'm telling you, she's a uh, she's like that. She's that no local neighbor who just she knows everything about everyone. I put I sent you the picture on Twitter, JP, of like the Christmas card she gave me when I first moved Man. in, and it was I mentioned that on the Q and A yesterday. It was just literally like, oh yeah, so and so lives here. Their two kids are autistic. John lives in this house. His wife is dead. This woman lives here. She is also a widow. And it was like the full yeah. background of everyone who lives in the street. Um, like there's definitely a GDPR con- it- concerns within there. <laughs> Did she describe someone and it's in brackets had unemployed? Yeah. Or something like that next to their name. Like, could be on gardening leave if you want some man. As the chat said, she is the uh, the Pauline Fowler um of my neighborhood. Yeah. And, uh, it was like it was almost like she's giving me a list of suspects there, JP, as to who the uh, who the person is, messing with my plants and uh, and messing with, with my doormat. But yeah, again, it just it just points more fingers at Jeannie um, at number two. Smoke and mirrors. Mm, I'm being <laughs> How old's Jeannie? Maybe like 60, something like that. I don't know, something like that. But So is that woman who dropped that cat into that bin. She looked about 60 as well. Age is no excuse for this. Evil is evil. Mm. <laughs> but it was a great start to the yeah. day, to be honest, because, yeah, that happened. And then I went to get the, tr- the first time leaving Liverpool, other than, I suppose, uh, Col corrected me on this. I did go visit Col in Cheshire uh, last month, but I don't think that really, that properly counts. Uh, but when to, oh, going to Lime Street, I was running late from a train, went past the tramp, and he tried to get some, he, a- he asked me for money. And I was dead polite. I was like, oh, no, sorry, mate, I've, I've got no money. He was like, oh, oh, yeah, well, if I if somebody asked me I'd stop and give them a bit of conversation and I was like what I was like I tell you, I literally just turned around to him and went what and he, he started he literally started going oh well oh you think you think you're hard do you oh just because you're bigger than me you think listen just because I'm 10 stone I could take you and he's in the middle of the Lime Street station and I'm just standing there like my train's due in two minutes. I was like, mate, I don't need any trouble. I've already had a hard enough morning, is what I was, what I was thinking. Just let me go and get me trained. I was just, he was trying to, like, he's proper getting in my face as well. Uh, luckily, I had my mask why, on. Why, though. Like, it was, I don't know why he decided to pick on me. Why'd you keep making enemies? You're going to have more filed up outside your front door, then I don't know. <laughs> I don't it's going to look like that scene from Jurassic Park with Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> when he finds it that's what it's going to look like on your on your front doorstep like Nick Gage I feel like I'm a very likeable person but apparently not like Nick Gage so you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> going around making friends everywhere I go um, but he let me past eventually but yeah first time I tried to leave Liverpool in six months and someone tries to start a fight with me so that was fun it's the Liverpool way, isn't it? If we're playing mm. entirely to stereotype, <laughs> it's 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 almost like someone's like giving you a fond farewell, trying to kick off a Liverpool line street. <laughs> is that the one with the weather spoons? Is indoors? Yeah, there's one in there. It is. Yeah, yeah and I met yeah, Gareth yeah. that time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, bike I think it is just you, Benno, because I'm just thinking about the. Uh, um, the guy who sits outside Tesco here, and I, I said, I asked him the other day about like, George, you want me to buy you anything? When I went in, went in there, and he was like, No, no. And he was like, Here, do you want to share this? And he like pulled out a butty that someone had bought him there previously. So there you go, nice friendly face, me. Uh, want me to sit down and share a uh, share a homeless man's butty with him, whereas uh, you're getting you're getting dogs abuse. <laughs> so, I'm there the you go. I'm, honestly, I'm not. This is like the you know, I'm not bragging, but I am the one who will often buy like the butties for the for the homeless people. When I, like if I go into Greg's and there's a homeless man sat outside. 
I'll always offer to buy them a coffee or something. They usually say no, which is kind of weird. I always think, like, because they just want cash, don't they? I think it's the, uh, yeah. the answer. But I always make the offer. So, you know, that could have been my buddy. You were, uh, you were munching on there. You should be been buying the vegan sausage rolls, mate. That's what you're doing. <laughs> on the, that's what they want. The, the tastes have changed. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what it is. But yeah, uh, London was nice though. Yeah, it was good. It was fun. There was um, <laughs> honestly, I was saying it in the pre-show. Like COVID is not a thing. Like everywhere, every, pretty much every bus and train I was on, like no one was wearing the masks or whatever. You kind of forced to in bars and stuff. But other than that, um, it was kind of a bit of a free for all. But yeah, it was fun being able to uh, go on a pub crawl through Camden, sort of pub called the uh, the Wrestlers, um, which was a a good stop off a good one for uh, for anyone who's uh <laughs> there was no like rest they didn't really make any effort other than the pub cup being called the wrestlers there wasn't really any good like memorabilia inside some of the uh check the basement mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you've just given up so i need to uh, have a word with them um, oh i did go past the uh the hippodrome by the way though yeah they had like a um they had like uh magic mike live on um apparently that's a, a live stage show now jp but there was no kevin nash on the bill unfortunately so didn't wow. uh, didn't stop him for it Wolfgang. <laughs> <It's set. laughs> Mark Coffee. <laughs> I think they would. Yeah. They'd be the, they'd be the ones who get that call, wouldn't they? I, I remember going, like, there was some sort of club thing at the Hippodrome. I remember going there once. It was one of the worst places I've ever been to in my life. Mm. Absolutely loathed it. Yeah. That, those West End clubs, mate, have nothing to do with them. Leave. Mm. Uh, apart from the Astoria and the Is it a setup? There. You're going to get ripped off if you're going. Yeah, it's just inordinately expensive and it's just shit. Mm. Shit music. It's, it's the kind of place where, you know, they'll want shoes on before mm. you go in. No, mm. there's trainers, Lark. Oh. So, yeah. yeah. It's like going out but in 1996. Remember them days? Bloody hell. You had to wear shoes oh. to get into places. Couldn't go back to that. Get your brogues on. Thank God. Thank God we had a... <laughs> It all changed when we got a Labour government in in 97, isn't it? <laughs> that was the real cause. Uh, I remember being on a night out after a PCW show with Carl and Preston and the bouncer wouldn't let him in with his uh, with his trainers on and Carl was a little bit pissed and he literally went and got a policeman and tried to uh, <laughs> tried to argue with the bouncer about the fact that it was uh, it was his legal right to be allowed entry even though he was wearing trainers. He didn't win that <laughs> argument, but I always respect him for trying. <laughs> I'll try that if I ever try and get in the hippodrome. Get, getting the coppers involved it, they're not there to go do you know what you've got a point let's let's go and win this battle on behalf <laughs> of you I'll ignore the various other things going on around uh, around Preston City Centre at that time which from my limited experience is fucking plenty mm. there's there's shit going on on those roads isn't it Benno it's very true it's very true but <laughs> yeah <laughs> while I was off in uh, London what did you guys get up to have a good, uh, good weekend JP a decent weekend, busy weekend. I'm kind of really snowed under with a sort of lot of work stuff. As I explained on the pre-show, there was a point, I mean, I've been doing the daily updates, but I was, because uh, we didn't have a weekend show this weekend. Uh, we will be doing stuff, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Mm. Um, so I had, uh, yeah, sort of a nice, a relatively sort of nice relaxing weekend. Went out to a halfway decent country pub on, on Friday. That was That was all right. Nothing more than that. Um, yeah, I'm not like you going off to that London. Um, mm. It's kind of your big your big weekend away. Um, <laughs> yeah, a lot more sedate in comparison. Mm. I'll watch the final last day of the, of the league season as well. 
And, yeah. uh, and very, very glad. I was keeping close eye on my phone. The on Premier Sunday. League is over and done with. Yeah. Mm. But hey, it leads us nicely into some fantasy leagues. going to say, as was Gareth, I'm sure. Is that, do you have a good Sunday, Gareth? Have a good day. Don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> How did how did Man City Everton go down in your place? There's, there's friends who there's friends who stab you in the back making fantasy draft team uh, transfers for the first time in weeks, almost <laughs> as if just to, as, 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 as almost as if just to cost you a league title. They've got nothing to play for him. It is the best thing that happened in my season. Oh, yeah, Gareth nicely last year, I think it was, invited me to his uh, his draft. Is it like a, a draft league with your workmates or your or your yeah, and you needed an extra body for it. Let me let me in his league. I put a lot of effort in this year, Gareth, but well I did for the first half of the season anyway, and then it kind of went by by the wayside in the uh, in the draft. Until the last week and you decided <laughs> to put a bit of fucking effort in, in the last week. <laughs> and in the last week, yes. Who did the sign? I don't even know a signed Saka, wasn't it? A signed Saka. No, right? it was Pepe. Oh, oh yeah, Pepe, fucking, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know who you signed. You cost <laughs> <laughs> How many did you lose the uh, the game yeah, by Gareth? Was it was it? I, 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 we lost on points. Di- I lost on points difference on the final day of the season to my arch nemesis in work because you <laughs> fucking randomly nip in and buy fucking Pepe and uh, deny me the opportunity to sign him you know, with uh, with my ranking in our uh, draft system. So. Uh, yeah, cheers, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to say I did it on purpose. I just logged in and it said he was available, so I brought him in. But I'm not saying I wouldn't have done it if I did know, because if I did know, I definitely would have done it then, because it is the it's the main <laughs> achievement this year for me is I cost Gareth from winning the league, and I'll take that. That's that's my spoken like a true Everton fan, I suppose. I was gonna, I was going to say there, there, there was plenty of ha 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 has on that message that you replied back to me. You were definitely yeah. accurately getting across the level of delight you were experiencing about the, that fact. So, uh. is this a common theme for you, Gareth? Sort of like being like Everton fans, kind of generally, kind of laughing at your mis- misfortune and stuff like that. In a, in a whether it's FPL, any kind of sporting stuff. See, it seems to be you can't get away from the bit of blue stuff, can you? No, largely. I have the last laugh when it comes to Everton, really, doesn't it? You know, when, <laughs> oh. uh, when you when you when you pay fifteen million for Carlo Ancelotti to come in and um, took him nicely there behind where Sam Allardyce did in the league and where Silva did in the league and things like Hello that. Hello, us, mate, yeah. and we were fucking abysmal. But then Benno <laughs> yeah. had the last. Benno, you finished top of all of us out of the three of us in, yeah, in, the, in the grapple league. Close to that, I'm annoyed I didn't make the top 10. I missed out to, to Joe S. Oh, it might be my mate Joe, I'm not sure. But he beat me by like two points. Um, and I was, yeah, so I'm, I'm 11th. Um, so just missed out on top 10. But got to give credit to uh, to Jordan Steins, who's uh, who's in the chat. Oh, yeah. Who, uh, who won the whole thing. Uh, well the, done, the Jordan. League, well like, done, Jordan. A, a solid victory by about 30-odd points uh, to Dave Barker, who was in second, and uh, and Jamesy trailed him in third. Rob Reed, who'd been uh, doing really well through the early uh, season season was top mm. for a for a long time uh, at the start of the season kind of uh, dropped down a little bit uh, to the ends but yeah jordan is a uh, the overall uh, winner of the grapple league we'll uh, be getting something over to you jordan as a uh, as a reward for it i think we've all got a got a taste for having yes. uh, some kind of proper uh, something proper at stake next year but we'll definitely uh, honor that this year for your uh, for your achievement this year but yeah even though what? even though i was 11th i was nowhere near him i spent the last day literally concentrating on my work league because i was 40 points behind 
first in that league and the guy in front of me had Harry Kane but he didn't have Salah and I was like well I'll get so I basically just made all my transfers to get the opposite players of him and then I ended up pretty much getting the exact same points as him anyway so I just got fucked <laughs> it didn't happen um, so maybe that would have uh, cost me my place in the top 10 but yeah I was nowhere near and yeah um, I know where were you on J- JP you are like, like 21st and um, I think Gareth was well, relegated jo- I'm pretty sure I don't think joint, joint, league joint 20th with, uh, with Simon Young Come oh on. that's important that's um, an important point joint 20th oh what the tiebreaker was I, I I don't know, but I I don't want to say I feel robbed. I don't feel that strong. You know what it might it, be? But I have been robbed. It might be Buxenhoff's idea, cause, uh, fault, because his team name is Tsunami Tsunami, and you've gone yeah. with Zumhoff now, which is hilarious. <laughs> but it's probably cost you, you the 20th place. Well, you know, there's a there's that's karma, isn't it? Mm. You know, you decide to use... Buck Zoomhoff as laughing material, which as you two found out live on a show, is not really <laughs> laughing material. Um, uh, yeah, you use that. That's what happens. Mm. But yeah, I'm all right with it because it's like the first year I really stuck with it. Mm. And a lot of it, and we were saying this in the pre-show as well, as with a lot of this stuff, is it was something to focus on during lockdown. Totally. It gave us all something to do. It was like winning, losing and the rest of it, you know, even when you're jumping into chats and you're talking about the teams you're picking and, and everything else, it just gave you something to do and focus on. I know it did for my son as well. And yeah, it, it kind of really could see the kind of enjoyable kind of communal aspect. I mean, a couple of notes. I noticed that top 10 hmm. feels like it was like that for a very, very long time with very much the kind of the, the same people around that for like mm. what seemed to be like a really long period of time. I know, Benno, you went up about like sort of 12, 13 places, didn't you, over like the last few weeks? You had a great finish, yeah. 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 Mainly because you were like Arsenal. <laughs> all, the silverware was, all the silverware was sorted out and then you went on a good run. Basically. <laughs> I learned that That's this year. Awesome. The less, the yeah. less like thought I put into it, and just like make a transfer on deadline day. It turns out I'm a better manager that way, because um, I was distracted mm. by uh, other stuff going on and not really playing it. <laughs> Plus, like, it kind of the league was gone for me in a lot of places. It did worked out for the best, so uh, that might be a, a tip for next year. Have you found it, JP? Is this is your first year properly, properly paying attention? Mm. I know James. He kind of said the same thing, and obviously he finished top four, and you know he was saying, you know, again, it was a, a good distraction this year for him. But yeah, I yeah. Think, uh, yeah, he did pretty well considering. I'm I'm all right with it, even though on the triple game week, which really fucked me over, that I completely forgot to change the team. But it's that. Like, and I lost about like 30 odd points, I think, from that week alone. I was like the lowest pretty much in the table, apart from the people who weren't playing the game anymore. And had Danny Ceballos in their teams and stuff like that. And Alexander Mitrovic up front, um, <laughs> sticking with him to the bitter end. Mm. Which I know a lot of people did at the start, didn't they? Mm-hmm. When like, it, it, so there was a lot of kind of like, it, it, it was about, it, there's various kind of things about like how you put your team together that's a lot more kind of intricate because you've got to kind of prepare for certain, there's a point where you kind of know what the next few weeks are going to be mm-hmm. and you kind of need to get your team in a certain place when it comes to say double game weeks. But then towards the end of this season, it just went mental because mm-hmm. there were so many games in the fixture list they had to kind of fit in. So there's there's a lot of variables, but you just got to stay on top of it, and you've got to try and get on players before they start that trend. So like as soon as Joe Willock had gotten, I think it was four goals, I put him in my side, and it was just like a regular like goal a week kind of lads chuck in there. So yeah, there's a lot of um, 
Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And like I, I say, Gareth's it was a godsend for everybody else. Could do with some tips here, Gareth, for next season, what do you reckon, mate? <laughs> oh, God, I'd I, I say I'm the, jo- I'm the Jose Mourinho of it. It's just been depressing for me. I'm used to seeing ones next to my leagues. And like uh, now, I've, uh, <laughs> now, now I've gone the other way the last two years. I think I, I think I finished behind you both last year and JP was only half arsing it last year. I've, uh, <laughs> I, definitely, I, th- I, think it's a, I think it's a lockdown. I need to. Uh, it's it, it's uh, it's all those home games and things like that. It's busted the formula. Mm. We'll uh, wait till the crowds are back. But no, go. no, I think of a think. I think I need to reevaluate, or, or maybe stop, or, or maybe stop playing again. <laughs> it could be worse. We, I was looking at the Grapple League. Rock bottom was uh, Elliot Harris, who I don't think has made it. He actually had a good final week, but was at least like maybe seven hundred points away from top. Uh, Mark Butchers was with him. Alan Block, Alan uh, Cheap Shot, Alan Blockstock was uh, fourth from bottom as well. He was. Uh, I think he was purposely attempting to uh, to come bottom. Yeah. Early. we'll do that. We'll have a wooden spoon. Uh, Prize for us. There you go. Something for you to play for next year, Gareth. We'll, uh, we'll sort you out. With. Sorry. <laughs> it's only because I know you take it as seriously as I do. Oh. <laughs> it hurts. I know. It hurts. It sticks. There's going to be deep competitiveness coming out very fucking soon. The start <laughs> of next so, season. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you never went it? away. Can you not feel it coursing through my veins as it's coming through the Wi-Fi? It's probably it's, it's probably why your Wi-Fi kept fucking tripping out last night when we were trying to record that Q&A. It was, was like the fucking Emperor sat here in Star Wars. Just like Fantasy League electricity coming out. It has. It would explain say, the blurry It's actually improved as well, yeah. It's sorted your pictures, yeah. so maybe that's what we needed <laughs> to get this thing going. Uh, but no, it was, it was um, a lot of fun this year, so yeah, hopefully yeah. Uh, everybody who, uh, who joined the league had a, had a good time as we did might might well do a Euros one um, just to get uh, excited for the Euros but proper stuff will, uh, will be coming next season oh yeah, yeah mm. we've got some plans for that as well so yeah, yeah. also in proper footy Liverpool finished there how'd that happen don't even know I form team in the league the last <laughs> last 13 games of the season no one took more <laughs> points than us in the last 13 you there watch those tricky reds next season <laughs> there you go <laughs> Leicester completely crumbling. Mm. Didn't help. Was it five? Yeah. What an, it the was Brodery. genuinely like an exciting afternoon. I thought it wasn't on Sunday. Like just watching, like because it felt like as well all of like the major players <laughs> and like fancy football points of view were getting points. Um, but yeah, it was um, because I it seemed to be uh, flipping and flopping through the afternoon. It's all about La Liga on the Saturday. That's <laughs> where the real. That's where oh. the real action is, mate. Are you doing a La Liga <laughs> FPL, mate? You know, I'm fine. Why in my league of one? Me versus me. <laughs> <laughs> I won. It was great. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> and also lost. <laughs> French league was exciting. Lille beat PSG. So at least one element of the Rebel Alliance managed to get something against one of the uh, the kind of the, the evil empire. That was mm-hmm. nice. One more for the good guys. <laughs> it is. Oh, oh, wait, it's a lonely furrow. Chris mentions it in the chat. Yeah, apparently the, the fiend was oh. pictured in the crowd at Wolves. What was? I did see the picture. What was that? What was that? Just, that's just a fan I, of the fiend mask. Because I know yeah. um, Sin Cara and uh, Raúl Jiménez are boys, aren't they? So uh, <laughs> maybe there's a connection there somehow. I don't know if Sin Cara will be there next season. Now Nuno's gone. God mm. knows that, that 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 might change it all around. But yeah, you've pretty much hit the nail on the head. It was a it was a Wolves fan in a wolf shirt wearing a fiend mask. And I don't think you can describe it as anything else other than that, other than for shame. <laughs> like, absolute shame. Mm. I assume it's got one of those title belts as well mm. that looks like, I don't know, something from fucking Hellraiser 2. 
or like the end of the Hellraiser when your man's getting ripped apart. <laughs> Christ, he yeah. had the gloves on as well. Yeah, he's one. He's definitely one of those fans who goes on Twitter and talks about the law and talks about the uh, the uh, the genius of uh, of Bray Wyatt. It's um, good as a joker, mate. <laughs> yes, joker. I agree. <laughs> Up there, but <laughs> there's a there's a connection between those two fan bases. I think. Mm. Incels, mm. I would say that that's that's a big part of the connection of those two fan bases, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. If you see a, a fiend, if you see a, somebody on Twitter with a with a picture of the fiend and their avatar, or as I learned this weekend, Seth Rollins and their avatar, you know they're uh, they're coming with uh, yep. with bad intent. Um, shout out to Bad IWC takes by the way for uh, for picking on me this weekend. That was a fun. Fun little adventure. Got, got you some, got you some followers there. It did. It genuinely, I was happy with that. I got, I got more likes for my tweet than than they, they did for theirs. Trying, trying to point me out as a bad, as having a bad take for saying Seth Rollins is, isn't a very good wrestler. I feel like that's just a standard. We don't all agree on that at this point. Bad heel, bad baby face, bog standard. I was, I was happy to see you come to me. It's actually Garrett because I'd given him too much credit. I said he was a three point two five star wrestler, and you, you pulled up the grapple stats for him, did you? What is it, two point nine nine or something like that? Two point nine nine. I yeah. thought I'm, I'm delving into the numbers here for a bit of support. <laughs> Thank <Yep>. you. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> Accurate though. And I'm sure I'm sure if you went on cage match as well, all mm. the numbers would generally agree to that. Oh, yeah. Who thinks he's good? Who thinks he's good? Seth Rollins. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it, yeah. <laughs> Seth Rollins and the people who think Randy Orton's the best wrestler in the world. Have you seen that kick off today? Because about because apparently Jim Jim Ross said that he's a Jim Ross AEW employee. <laughs> he's had a couple of clangers this week. <laughs> said that uh, yeah, that Randy Orton's the best wrestler in the world with uh, with respect to Kenny Omega. It was just even Kenny got in uh, on the action uh, giving old uh, old Jim some grief. He's uh, yeah, he's not a uh, not exactly a singer from the AEW hymn sheath. I can't imagine much of the uh, the AEW fan base are uh, a big Randy Orton fans. Was he pissed? <laughs> Possibly. Or horny. He's usually horny online, yeah. isn't he, rather than pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry when he said that. I just, I'm reminded by a, a very stupid video clip I sent you to earlier on in the week where somebody edited the um, Kurt Angle milk truck angle. <laughs> to basically make it look like it was cum. Rather than that, and then slowing down Jim Roy, Jim uh, Ross's voice as well. It mm. was it was incredibly childish, and I I laughed for like an hour, mm. and I cried more than once. <laughs> so I just go back to it again. Oh, yeah, I was definitely watch it again, watch it again, watch it again. I was like, I'd laugh my head off. It was so well done. True. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Will says in the chat we do need to get Steph on. She is the fiend expert. Which if you go to up next mania, you'll you'll hear that. There's um very, very knowledgeable of the law. Think of her like the um you know, think of her like the people who write the law books about the game Game of Thrones and all the various places around Westeros. Mm. That's Steph's job, effectively, isn't it? <laughs> Talking about the fiend. Oh, honestly, the grief she gets from the uh, from the the, the fiend fans uh, for some of the work because it, like, it's yeah, 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 fiend the files. That's it. That's the uh, the phrase we coined, isn't it? Because uh, she dares to say that he's actually not that good. Um, but yeah, those those uh, those angry WWE fans on the internet are treating it like like you're, like you're picking on some underdog, not the biggest wrestling company in the world that's been terrible for most of our like natural lives on this earth. Is like it's something 
something that uh, it's worth riding for, just like yeah, the people riding for Randy Orton today. I literally saw like some gobshite journo post something about, oh, you can't appreciate Randy Orton if you've not been in the ring, so I don't think we should talk about this. And it was like, I mean, <laughs> if, if I'm watching it with my own eyes and I'm finding boring, I find them boring. Like, I've been in the ring and I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. You know what I mean? I hate that argument. It's like, oh, he's a worker's worker. Ooh, his footwork's so good. It's like, who cares if the matches are crap at the end of it or painfully yeah. average, which they kind of are when it comes to Randy. Like, then, you know, none of that matters, does it? It doesn't matter about the the little things the, the wrestlers care about. What, what were the ratings the week before Randy Orton made his debut and what are they now? Oh, good point. <laughs> are we blaming him for it? Is it all Randy's fault? I think so. He's a consistent yeah. though, isn't he? Like 20-odd 20, 20 years of like same guy in the same trunks doing the same shit. Like I respect him as a person, genuinely. Like, I think, you know, he was an absolute piece of shit when he was younger and now like I kind of like that he's got like this, he's, got, he's almost got like this Kevin Nashy kind of attitude of like why should I put more effort in? I've got, you know, he's got a, he's got a hot wife and loads of and loads of millions in the bank and you know he kicks off on twitter every now and then and then he goes off and and smokes some weed and that's the end of his day um yeah well, he looks like randy orton so you know good for him <laughs> but it doesn't mean i actually enjoy his uh his in-ring work the wrestlers wrestling when was the, said. when was the last time i mean he, every year mm. he has a worst a very credible mm. worst match of the year contender true doesn't yeah. he every single year mm. without fail mm. like i find it absolutely incredible that people can go, say this about it but there is it's it, it's the, the kind of the max structure absolutely fucking kills him mm. like it, 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 it's his matches are death mm. they have like i think for like one of the times when um I know there was like a Randy Orton reward and I was like on, on the grapple app and I went through and rated all those Randy Orton matches. <laughs> Gareth just thought, sounds like a nervous breakdown, this or a midlife <laughs> crisis. Um, but yes, and I went through sort of testing out the gamification stuff. It's all two and a half, <laughs> two and a half, maybe a three and a half on a time where I'm either pissed high or generous. Like, you know, outside of that, a man deserves, n- he's boring. You've just hit the, he's boring. Mm. There's no convincing otherwise. Mm. Yeah, that's it. And just because, yeah, just because you're a like a Jim Ross who's like, yeah, oh, I can see like the little things he does doesn't mean you, you, yeah, you can shout down fans and sell, and tell them tell them they're wrong. It's like I'm I'm looking at um like the um apparently today on BTE um I don't know how serious he was but Matt Jackson took a shot at Jim Ross and said he he's the world's worst wrestling commentator. I don't know if that's a joke or not, but. <laughs> might be an argument for it. <laughs> Tells you more about like all that all that stuff uh, last week we didn't get to cover it on the podcast. Well, apparently all the strife behind the scenes at, uh, at AEW between the executives. To be honest, I can't see Jim Ross mm. being a, a Young Bucks or a, or a Kenny Omega uh, idea. That's very much a, a Cody one, isn't it? Um, and he is kind of, yeah. He's just out of place, isn't he? Like uh, those comments and a couple of the other things he said recently just made me think, yeah, you're in, you're in the wrong company, Jim, mate. It's just, uh, that's, I don't think it's ever been a good fit. I... I don't know if I feel as strongly about it as you do, Benno. Mm. Like I, I get the criticisms of him, mm. but in some ways, I also understand kind of why he's there. Mm. And in some ways, there's, I like Shivani and Excalibur, and mm. even Taz when it, and even Don Callis when they all turn up. Mm. In some way, I'm not as bothered by him. But yeah, I, I get the overall idea. I mean, really, if he was being honest with himself, it'd be like 
I should only be doing like kind of special pay-per-view matches and stuff like that and coming back for that stuff and maybe taking on a, a bit more of a backstage, let's organise the back of this company role. Because I think actually that's the place where he really could add some actual value. Mm. I'm not saying do the role that he had for a long time like under Vince, but I think a variant of teaching someone to do that about actually this is how you need to manage this because that appears to be one of the problems in AEW. Mm. It's not, it's, you know, there appears to be problems in every wrestling company if we look hard enough though, isn't there? Mm, that's, that's true. You know. It's it's just that bollocks idea that it's like you've got Jim Ross on commentary and there's going to be some like casual fans or something like that from the iTunes here are going to be flicking through the channels and hear Jim Ross's voice and be like, oh, Jim Ross, let's give this mm. a go. Like just yeah. because Jim, what a what a crock of shit. As if anyone's doing that. Like it's you know this. I hate this whole argument that people try and peddle that by having this like voice recognition, it's going to make people stop when they're flicking through the channels and just decide to to mm. watch it just because of Jim Ross. Mm. If Jim Ross is the biggest fucking draw that you've got then you fucking might as well just pack up and go home like i can you know get you know get him in there for a bit of credibility for one year or something like that but yeah it needs to be a needs to be farmed out now especially when he's been like negative towards the the um passive aggressive pro, you know pro, pro, product kind of thing and you, you know he's you can tell those matches where he's actively like mm. not enjoying it or he's not asked and he's just been like sarcastic and bringing stuff down you don't need somebody doing that about the product. It's fucking, you know, it's, it's bad enough when you've got bad commentators trying to hype stuff up, never mind when you've got bad commentators trying to bring it down as well. But, mm. God. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And, like, I think that's it. I think I'm with you in that, like, yeah, there was maybe, maybe there was a point early on where it's like, oh, we're a legitimate wrestling company because Jim Ross works for us. Maybe, maybe it's like when TNA had Hogan, you know, maybe some dumb executive somewhere buys it and therefore it gets you a little bit more leeway when it comes to, you know, getting a, a decent deal and stuff. But yeah, we're way past those days. And yeah, they've got so many other talented commentators there. Like, he's just yeah. unnecessary, isn't he? That's the crazy thing is, I don't know if you've seen any, I mean, I've seen bits of AW Dark Elevation and I'll watch it this week to see Ren Narita and Rocky Romero. I'm just mm -hmm. intrigued that there's elements to, to kind of them being on that. And Paul White is very good as a commentator. Mm -hmm. I have to say he's a really engaging presence. He, when he does his interviews and everything else, he's kind of taken to it really well. Mm -hmm. I imagine he'll be coming out at some point and a double or nothing. I've just got the feeling that he's going to be like the mystery man in the bloody battle Royal type of stuff. I think I think I could see them doing something like that because hmm. it's an easy match to go to with him, him and Kenny. So I'm jumping the gun going into a double or yeah. nothing preview, but he's good. <laughs> Taz, Callis. Yeah. Oh, Callis. Bloody. Callis who's, yeah. who's politicked his way out of it <laughs> into a proper job at AEW, which is always what he was going to do. Apparently not an exec anymore at Impact. Smart man. Then. Smart man that Don Callis. Well, in some ways it should be the Scott Demore show. Mm. impact it's it's really if there's someone who's earned the right to kind of inherit tna i would say it's scott demore who has frankly if you think of it if he hadn't been around in that company that company would have been dead a long time ago because he got it to a decent level then they fucked it over and he managed to get him to level where they're kind of he's managing to kind of hide them almost um mm. yeah yeah it, it, it's it, it it's um yeah, completely lost train of thought there. Sorry. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> completely went off. I saw Ivan's AW comment. AEW commentators. AEW commentators. Load of good commentators there. The end. 
<laughs> Agreed. More would you me say? Jim Ruskin drug on. Uh, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> but yeah, we should uh, move on to the uh, to the news this week. Obviously, there's been uh, quite a quite a bit of news uh, since we uh, we last recorded, and uh, a fair amount uh, coming through the weekend. But I think the uh, the, the biggest news story we should definitely definitely talk about is uh, is Will Ospreay. Um, Will Ospreay vacating the uh, the IWGP world title. Um, that news came through, I believe it was on Thursday, wasn't it? It was the 20th when uh, when that news first uh, came through. And yeah, I think first reaction was, oh, Ospreay's, getting, Ospreay's stepping down from being champion because of an injury. Fuck, it might be serious. Or fuck, it must be serious because think about the injuries. You know, someone like an Ospreay who works the, uh, the style he does probably walks around with uh, day to day and then... As more details have come out, it's it's gotten a little bit more murky, hasn't it? Um, our uh, our good friends, the uh, the hot pocket eating fucks over at uh, Voices of Wrestling, <laughs> uh, <laughs> shouts out to Lanzer and Craig, oh. uh, wrote out the. Uh, but they put on their uh, their Patreon and it was uh, widely uh, spread uh, after that uh, about uh, potentially um, there being um, more to the story um, and there being issues uh, allegedly, uh, at least initially, with um, the gauging um, talent over in Japan um, not mm. being happy about the, uh, the messing around with the schedules and, you know, a couple of people obviously have tested positive and there's been more news about that the last couple of days uh, you know Okada being a chief among them as far as the native talent goes but yeah there's uh, you know definitely uh, rumours of, uh, of gauging talent having to uh, to isolate and yeah the Fifth Finley himself went on a, went on a, a podcast and talked about the fact that yeah David Finley and uh, and Jay White have, uh, have, are having to, uh, to quarantine at the moment in Japan and there's all of those issues going on there's been more fuel added to the fire today where you know I don't really like to speculate on it too much but you know maybe potentially issues between uh, Osprey and B Priestley uh, and potentially um, rumour rumor of uh, of an NXT signing of Will Osprey or at least uh, uh, Fuji uh, who does a lot of stuff for uh, for, uh, for for the Observer website who's, uh, who's been good with the scoops in the past speculating that uh, Osprey might be NXT UK bound uh, I don't know if I'd go that far with, uh, with the speculation for this but it all does seem um, a little bit odd doesn't it it just seems a little bit like maybe not the headline of you know Osprey, uh, you know st- stepping down as as champion, it seems like because of a neck injury, it seems like there's a a fair maybe more to this story, Gareth, than uh, than meets the eye at the moment. Yeah, that's it. Like you say, at first it seemed like very much so. You know, when it's when he's been given that opportunity where he's been given that belt, and then it's like a neck injury. Your first thought is like, oh fuck, this must be like a very you know serious injury for the you know for this to be put in place and not to be. Um, you know, just just ridden out really, and just you know, see where they are. Obviously, they've been having shows cancelled and things like that. So you think you can maybe like buy a bit of time into the process and just take stock and things. But then, yeah, like you say, as the as the news has filtered out, and there seems to be more and more substance or speculation been thrown in there in in in, in wider different areas. It's definitely got you second guessing things. I think the mm. most surprising thing is that if it is not due to a you know, genuinely due to a severe neck injury and it is due to, you know, issues, you know, backstage um, around those type of things or whether it's things around like the relationship and things. This idea that he's got to that level and got that belt and then things are so bad that you're going to walk away from that position that, you know, presumably you've essentially you've spent your whole career working towards mm. it, then you know it seems uh it, it it seems very odd but there are 
there is a lot of different um, yeah different conflicting elements to it mm-hmm. i mean that thing that's coming out today about the idea that he's going to go back to you know he's going <laughs> to sign for nxt uk just feels no. laugh- laughable to me that's mm-hmm. you know if if that turns out to be the case that's got to be the most bizarre story move between promotions that i can even remember in my you know you know in immediate lifetime or anything like that because the idea that he's yeah he's going to go from being like the top guy in in new japan albeit a you know less successful new japan or a less compelling new japan that it's that it's been for a a couple of years and come back and be rubbing shoulders with the fucking gallus boys and things like that (laughs) on on nxt on nxt uk in front of absolutely nobody like it's you know it's it's hard to believe that that can surely surely happen but mm. i don't know it's uh almost kind of like nothing would surprise me really with uh with this situation because it's it's you know it does seem very very bizarre mm. yeah it, it's it just seems to have escalated incredibly quickly and i think gareth you, you when you brought the point of it's the thing i thought about of like how long has he waited for this kind of an opportunity then to kind of vacate it in the way it was where there wasn't like the kind of retirement or anything else along those lines, which, you know, they would do some sort of like impromptu press conference, but it didn't appear to be anything like that Mm. suggested that there might be something around it. And it's, it's difficult because we don't know there's various things that are kind of there about, you know, personal issues. Then there's the COVID and and the quarantine. There's the amount of shows that people are doing, so it feels like they're on one long tour for a lot of the times, and then that gets changed around. Mm. Um, and it's you know to th- look back on New Japan, it 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 just kind of shows what a desperate state they're in, and how quickly these things can fall. Mm. Now I'm not predicting the death of New Japan here, but like in some ways you want to take your big lessons from WCW. It's like yeah, you can have those kind of banner years, and if you think. How long ago was it until they drew 75,000 over two days to go to the Tokyo Dome? What is that, less than two years ago? Mm. We're at a point now where <laughs> you look at the the, the roster, that, that particular roster looks completely frazzled. Mm. You're losing Osprey, who's like a, a big part of the focus and has been a draw in terms of tickets. Like that's something that has to be has to be noted and this appears to be something they've been going for for a really long time. They've, they've eyed him for this role and the epic kind of a card of feud. So for it to kind of end like this, suggests there's something more going on. And I always think back to what um, Alan Farrell said on, P- on PW Torch when he was talking about New Japan. And I think a lot of this comes down to that business side and it's the amount of shows yeah. to sell a certain amount of tickets and if they, that's what they want to achieve. And they're going to do that by hook or by crook, yeah. which means you fuck your booking up entirely. And you make your roster unhappy because they're having to travel around and do all of all of this stuff and all of these shows. And there's no one really that doing it in front of a series of multi-man tags at a, at a like 300 person Currican Hall is, is like a kind of abysmal. I mean, I said a couple of times when they cancelled those Grand Slam shows that I thought thank God for that. That's like somewhat of a blessing in society, but they look completely exhausted. The booking looks completely defunct. We talk a bit, it's about the Q and A about how do you solve these woes? And it's, these are deep problems Hmm. that have kind of come about very, very quickly where like, I, 
I'm not entirely surprised. And the fact that a lot of the US-based wrestlers are effectively just being loaned out. Mm. They're like a a club that's, I don't know, like Monaco, who suddenly it's like, oh shit, we need to kind of offload people who are on perhaps bigger wages than what we're going to have there. And we have to keep them happy. So you're just loaning them out all the time. Mm. Um, it's, it's a mess. In terms of Osprey, one thing I wanted to say was I was surprised you know, and I may it may be inconsequential to the to kind of New Japan, but I was surprised he wasn't stripped of the Rev Pro title. No, yeah. Apparently, Rev Pro have said he's going to be appearing on a show to to announce whatever is happening next with that. Um, okay, but yeah, I mean, I because like they were asked as well. That that's one of the things that that started to cast doubt on this because you know, mm. I, you know, what I say, Voices of Wrestling did their report, and obviously they were you know saying that you know the. There's an injury, but you know whether the, it's as severe as uh, as being said, and whether it's a bit of a cover for for the office was kind of the the story that they were at least uh, hearing from some sources. Um, but then, yeah, obviously Rev Pro uh, being very non-committal on Twitter, at least at first, um, about mm. what they were going to do, kind of gave a little bit more smoke to that fire. Um, but then, yeah, it kind of it has rolled out into a, a deeper, deeper story, really. I believe there was going to be, a, I think Voices Report, there's going to be a meeting today with uh, with Ghetto and the, and the talent, uh, at least the, uh, the gauge. I think that's the, the overall talent. But again, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of sources are saying there's a, it's very much a specific uh, gauging issue, although, yeah, Voices have got other sources saying it's kind of a, an overall issue with the roster. It's, a, mm. as you said there, JP, a communication issue. Um, it's, again, frustration with, you know, the... You know the situation with COVID and the the quarantining and yeah, like I say, I've even you know been talk uh, as Lanza put on the uh, the voices voices of wrestling Patreon of a potential you know mutiny coming uh, from the the wrestlers, as particularly the uh, the flyers being frustrated with the uh, the quarantine and the bubbles and thinking they can go home and then find it out. And I think that was uh, you know part of what we've you know heard from from others as well with this Osprey story that you know there was maybe something to that that he thought he could go home and rest, go home and you know get himself a you know, as far as like we all have got a COVID job and, you know, you know, be able to be at home for a while and then find out that no, actually you've got to stay in Japan and you've got to, you know, we've got more, we've got more tours coming up and maybe that was the, uh, the straw that broke the camel's back. It seems to be for, for many other members of the, of the roster, but mm. yeah, it's like we're new Japan right now. It's, you know, when it rains, it, it pours really. Um, like it's, it is this, this issue of, you know, everything that bad that could happen this is, is happening you know the the booking's gone off the rails you know the as far as like you know obviously covid is has caused a lot of issues as well but you know attendance is down general interest is down you know the the the, the shows are as unappealing as they've you know been in at least this modern ghetto history and those yeah again that osprey as you both said you know whatever you think about him and as we've said you know we you two gave Gareth gave five stars to you know to that Shingo match and you came close mm-hmm. to JP and that's in a period where we're very clear about the fact that we're really not interested in anything else New Japan have got to offer. My God, you take Osprey out of that mix and that I mean, it looks drab, like it looks extremely drab. Oh, cool, yeah, is mm-hmm. you know, Tanahashi and Naito are they going to go back for the belt again? As so, are they just going to strap up Okada again? You know. It, it, there's nothing inspiring there, is there? It's just, yeah, you take yeah. that. That was the one positive I think you could say about this year was, you know, at least the Osprey matches. You know, I wasn't particularly sold on the character myself, but the matches themselves were the one thing you hear positive things about. But yeah, you take that away, and good lord, is that this a 
really just drab looking promotion going forward in 2021. And I mean, one of the things that we talked about, you know, last night, obviously on the on, on the Q and A show um, on, the, on on the Patreon as well, was just the idea of just needing to inject that something new and something a bit fresher and things. And like in theory, the the whole Osprey title run was supposed to be that, wasn't it? That elevation of him to that top level and putting on mm. some different matches at the top of the card and just shaking things up a bit. Obviously, you know, again, we talked about the staleness of a lot of the stables and things that they've got there. And then obviously, you know, putting building a, a new one around Osprey, whether it's, you know, whether it's good or bad in terms of the people that are in there, it was still something new and something, something fresh as well. And you kind of, yeah, you take that out of the mix. And, you know, as we, you know, we talk, about there where you're looking to plug the gap and and how you do it and mm. you know short of you know i think obviously we talked about like the idea of shingo coming through and you know actually just we'd love you know, putting, the, putting the putting the rocket behind shingo a bit more beyond that at the top of the card though everybody who's yeah. been there has been there they've had tile um, runs they've had lengthy tile runs they've all faced each other so many times in the last two three years you know at domes and g1s and things like that and it's and it, and it is that 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 staleness and you know even when you look there and you talk about the volume of shows that they're trying to to run and then when they're running these all these corican shows and then you you, you know obviously historically Obviously, these these shows would always be your eight man tags and your six man tags and things like that. That there'd, there'd be something in there of interest alongside those, or a feeling that they're building towards something. Now you just look at these shows that they're that they're running at Corrigan, and it's just it's just just feels like these random three people against these random three people, and it's just yeah. like a varying rotation on the same mix of people that have now been doing that for for quite a quite a few years now and you know if you and if you're a if you're a punter mm. like why what are they giving you there that that makes you come and want to like part with you part with your money and you know you talk about all these different factors but it's all like it's all interrelated it's almost like you know it's like you know like dominoes like knocking dominoes over isn't it you know mm. you know the booking goes the talent goes the crowds go etc it's all these different factors and it's just like you knock a few over and then suddenly it's like running away from it. And before you know, it's, you know, it's completely out of your control. And, you know, we talked about that, you know, a couple of months ago about this idea that you can get away with it. If there's like a, a couple of, you know, for six months between bad decisions or something like that or yeah. bad situations, but when they're coming, like it almost feels like on a monthly basis, you're just like eating away at the, at the trust and the credibility and the desire to watch and things like that. And it just feels like they've just got things just chipping away at them from from all angles here. And it's it's a it feels like a tough road back for for New Japan currently. It's going to be a it's going you know it's not tweaking a couple of things. There's 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 whole scale you know evolution there really that needs to take place, mm-hmm. and you can't evolve something overnight, can you? No. Yeah, that's it. There's, mm. It's everything mm. we're talking. Like we brought in some of the kind of like from a booking perspective. It's like, well, you need to all of the stables. Every single stable they have is stale. Yeah, some of them beyond stale. And you've been waiting for stuff to happen for what two, three, four years in mm. some cases. Mm. That's ridiculous. Like really, when you think about it, like this kind of it, it's it's an unholy combination where you've got every title division is pretty much stale um they've done things to kind of openly hurt their world title and just in 
terms of doing little things that would just annoy your fan base more than anything else. They've had a series of unsuccessful champions. They tried to push someone in evil who was just an abject failure. Mm. Like really, you would describe it as that now. Business wasn't good. Matches were awful. Mm. They sacrificed their quality control for for a lot of this as well. And that was the that was their USP. That was a unique selling point. They have the best matches in the world. Mm. Absolutely, push comes to shove. Everything else, we put on the best wrestling in the world when it matters in the big matches. And I don't know if the, the, these guys are going to be able to do it because they've run them into the ground mm. and they didn't rotate a lot of them. They left them there and they didn't rotate in people and take kind of little necessary risks when they could have put someone. I'm not mad at him, but someone like Taichi further up the card. They could have done that. It would have been a, a fresh body in there. It would have been something different. You know, there's various little things they could have done. They don't have the IC title, which would be the natural elevation point for a lot of these wrestlers as well. And it's a stale roster. Mm. The junior division is non-existent. Mm. So like every one of these areas needs refreshing, which would suggest the booking needs refreshing. But there's also an idea that the corporate side needs to take a um a kind of a lesson from this as well about the the amount of shows there because it's it's not going to do them any favors they're not going to hit those limits and it's just going to get to a point i mean ian's put in the chat they do 280 currican today mm. guess what why bother mm. really is it worth having the show is it worth stretching things like, out for that night you know like yeah like mark says is it literally you know but this happened you know always my go-to example this happened with like peak ring of honor you know that they, they had a bit of success and it was like oh cool let's do more shows and you know what the, all the more shows did was diluted the quality and yep. burned out the booker because like i tell you what like if there's anyone who looks like a burned out booker right now in the world it's ghetto and like these yeah. if you had a booking hall of fame in fact not even a hall of fame you just said to me who's the best booker of all time at this point i think i'd say ghetto i genuinely would yeah. But like, and I know this Osprey stuff's not because of him and, you know, the roster unrest and, and some of that other stuff isn't because of him. And we're coming out of a, you know, a COVID period. So I want to be a little bit sympathetic, but I just look at that, you know, just as an overall, you know, looking at the new Jaren product. And I, I said it yesterday and I'll say it again. I think maybe he needs to go. <laughs> I, I don't know, you know, that might that might feel strong because, you know, they obviously follow up questions well, who you replace him with and, you know, maybe you want to be cautious about making a, a big decision like that, but it just screams of a company right now that, that needs new ideas. And as you just touched on, if your new idea is evil at the top, then you know <laughs> that's not a good new idea. I mean, I suppose you can give them credit for probably being the one wanting to push Osprey through to the top, but you know, the creative with that hasn't been great, you know, at all, you know, the, the, the B Priestley angle, Osprey particularly being miscast, to be honest, mm. um, is not is is not been for me either. But you know, goes deeper than that. The Kota Ibushi title run, you know, what the fuck happened yeah. there? That was a mess. The last couple of Wrestle Kingdoms have been mm. weird, you know, with four ways and icy title mergers with the the title mm. and all. He just seems he seems out of ideas to me. I mean, it could just be he's holding back oh, yeah. because you know we have been in COVID times and obviously once they're back to crowds and stuff okay let's let's put our best foot forward with the good ideas but like yeah him being burnt out I think is feels like a, a big factor in this right now obviously yeah the, the business side of things and Harold Mage being mm. gotten rid of and like I say the people who are in charge now just wanting to run show 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 and and make the money back um, and you know book 
book the fucking dome in the middle of fucking May and June, you know what I mean? Like that that's fucking dumb too. Like Garrett said, it's a lot mm-hmm. of like small wounds, I suppose, that are that are adding up to a to a greater total. But as far as freshening up the product goes, I don't know, maybe is that too dramatic? I can't think of a a, a bigger thing you can do really to to maybe try and salvage this at this point. What what is he booking though currently as well? Like mm-hmm. you know, separate yeah. to the Osprey thing, what even is what even is going on? Like, if you go, like, what what, what have New Japan got going on that got going on? That's areas of interest outside of the Osprey stuff. Literally, the only thing that's springing to mind, and correct me if I'm wrong, anyone is just them fucking iron fingers. Is pretty much it's pretty much the only other thing of any attempt at any you, you know anything with a bit of build behind it or an attempt to have some substance to it or something like that. Everything else just seems to just be, just throw some guys together and have some matches that, that you know, and I think where you talk about their, you know, the, the ROH side of things about like, oh, let's run more shows. And, you know, essentially they're just getting into that world of where you get away from compelling wrestling and then you get to content yeah. production and then it just becomes yeah. about volume of content never ever results in good quality uh, end product does it it just becomes about churn it just becomes the sausage factory of like just let's get this stuff out because we need to fill this live show we need to make sure that we've got sufficient hours on a network like wwe and things like that where it just becomes about you know churning characters and things out to hit tv quotas and things even you know you strip it right back and you look at like brit rest and things and you look mm-hmm. at progress and it's just been a case of you know quick let's have a show every single week we'll have one in sheffield this week we'll have one in birmingham the week after we'll We'll go back to Camden and then we'll go and run a show and then it just becomes like show 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 and then it's and then you can't you know you can't build compelling um characters and stories in 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 that way it just all just becomes that 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 churn to get the product out and that very much just feels like where new japan have got and it's you know it's just a case of like okay we need a match to go here mm-hmm. okay these three guys from chaos today go against these three guys from lij tomorrow it's three suzuki young guys against three guys from chaos or whatever it's 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 as simple as that it's just like mm-hmm. uh, and why because because we need a match to fill that 15 minute slot there kind of thing so mm-hmm. you know and that so it's not even booking in some way it's just like much creation to fill time and space like it's weird that's that's exactly how i was feeling about it one of the thoughts on the notes written is like what's happened to the mid card Mm. there is no mid card do you remember the point when there was like singles matches between wrestlers who weren't perhaps fighting for a title but you put a little feud and a storyline together about why they were there and what they were going to fight for that's all gone Mm -hmm. that is all gone because whatever match that they would normally do for that that could be third or fourth on the top at something like a Dominion. Mm. That's your headliner mm. on like a smaller show mm. because they're obsessed with doing the B shows as much as well, which were there, which is, you know, when you had the Intercontinental title and you've got Tanahashi headlining one show and Nakamura the other, you can get away with that. But you can't when you, you get rid of that. And, you know, one of the other points I was going to say of the bad, like of all the missteps, Jay White, there yeah. was a point you thought, are oh, they going to turn fat? And they've wasted it. And it's, all of that bullet club stuff is was was so I mean God it was stale four years ago. <laughs> like it was stale at the point when AJ Styles had left. Mm-hmm. Um and, and tell us when Batman yelled. <laughs> They're starting again. And AW. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and they're doing that. But we've never had any resolution to a 
Kenta Evil Jay White storyline. It's been about a year. Mm. Like of these three guys, and you don't really know who is in charge of it, but we're just never going to reference it. And that kind of stuff plays on it. Mm. You know, there's then there's the bad fortune of losing someone like a Hiromu for that length of yeah. time, which yeah. does make a massive difference as well. But and 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 that's unlucky, but at the same time you should be prepared for that happening given you're running a fucking wrestling company and it's a slight hazard hazard of the job that some people might get injured from time to time. Mm. But it's not like they put an effort in any of the juniors. Mm. So like where would they have gone to there anyway if Hiromu was there? Mm. Who were going to be the juniors he was up against? Because mm. you don't really have any faith in that. So it, it's, it, it does feel like all a lot of chickens have kind of come home to roost mm. and they've kind of forgotten about what would, what made them a hot and popular promotion for a really long time. Mm. And they just seem to have gotten rid of all of that. Mm. And now fundamentally, who do you go to? You probably go to the booker, but I think then whoever they get in, they need to look at also, I think their Japanese roster. Mm. And, and I've said this before, they might have to look at trying to pinch a few names. Mm. Like that's not the done thing, but I think it needs that kind of freshening up as well. Yeah. That, that native roster, you've kind of draw like kind of drilled those headliners into the ground and the other people there, like a Sonata, you can't do anything with them now at this point because mm. the, the kind of, and then who is it after that? A lot of them aren't young. Mm. It's not like there's there's an Okada in his mid twenties who you're expecting to come in and take over the world. I mean, I really like some of those young lions, mm. but like at this point, you're looking at Shota Umino, thinking this run you're going to have in Rev Pro is going to be very interesting because it's not beyond the realms of possibility you're going to go back in and be pushed to the moon. Mm. I, I just don't, you know, it, it, a couple of comments in the chat kind of saying, you know, yeah, you know, you, you know, the likes of Show, who's they've done nothing yeah. with, you know, in the last year since he since he wrestled Shingo. There are there are young talent there that you could do more with. I mean, you know, I I'll give some sympathy, like you said, to the fact that that obviously I think Hiroma was big in their plans, but you know that that has obviously gone backwards too. And yeah, there's just it needs something dramatic. Even even that even that though, Benno, like when Hiromu came back. There was a swell of you know positivity and popularity yeah. around him, and then and then the expectation was probably they're going to move him up now, kind of thing. He's going to you know he's going to freshen things up, and he went straight back into the um, the junior division, and it didn't look like he was moving out of there anytime soon. Which which is you know it's 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 the New Japan way that it's it's you know there's. You've got to be patient and things like that sometimes to to filter through. But equally, at that time, where his popularity, where it seemed to be, it was and, and that need for a freshness at the top of the card, it was begging for it, yeah. begging for it to for, for him to go, you know, to to go into the heavyweight division, and it just it just didn't even remotely seem on there on on the and cards at all. Ghetto's like, yes, yeah, sounds in two years, you know, because <laughs> yeah. he's yeah. got his plan and he's sticking. To, and is obviously the way he books is an absolute net positive for, for New Japan over these last years. But talk about a time when yeah, you could have called called that all audible. Um, but you know, like like Mark said in the chat, and maybe yeah, the, the bigger blame does lie with that, the management issues. You know, what he said there, no interaction with the Japanese promotions, too many shows, forcing you know one card of big shows into three separate shows. And yeah, he said there, you maybe changing the book means nothing if the manager doesn't change maybe another mm. booker just ends up you know inherits all of those mm. same problems again and you know yeah i could add to that as well you know you add in the you know the refusal to to do 
decent business with AEW until now. You know that could have yeah. been something that was in the in the in the makings a while ago. Now maybe that'll still things up, things up. Maybe if that you know forbidden door stays open and you know the flights start being available properly um, from America to Japan and the J- J- Japan situation calms down, maybe some of those lads going in the opposite direction can make things a bit more interesting. But I think it says everything that you know in the last few months. What's the what's the thing I've been most interested in to do with New Japan? It's been Yuji Nagata coming over to, to Dynamite and it's been you know a couple other things with Tom Lawler they've been doing on Strong it's, yeah. that's the that's the state of New Mate, Japan right now if I can throw in don't sleep on Fred Rosser versus Hikaleo <laughs> in, a, in a no disqualification match where they're fighting in the back of a van mm. like I am complete I am more sold on Strong mm. like by quite some distance mm. than actual New Japan mm. you know which is ridiculous when you think about it but yeah mm-hmm. it's a it's a real it's it's a problem and i think there's there's also partly some of the issues they would have had is there's kind of an arrogance mm-hmm. whereby this booking method has worked so many times before so therefore it will work again and you can see it collapsing under the strain of that if you haven't got like Sounds a bit like Arsenal, mate, to be honest. I was just thinking that. It's like going to Mark's point there, you know? Yeah, Arsenal knows what he's doing. Keep Arsenal around. Keep, keep... And, then, and then he goes, and actually things don't really improve that much anyway, because actually Should the I be the problem. <laughs> turning up at a, a dome with Kidani out hashtags and all <laughs> yeah. this. Like, just <laughs> going on this and having an argument with Gareth going, get out, he's no good. And I go, well, you know, he's turning things around every slightly. I'm trying to put together a like, good defence, like it's Mikel Arteta trying to like, justify it. To him, he's, Legend. You know, if it, yeah. Which they actually were one of the most improved teams since the turn of the year. So, oh, there you go. There then. we go. I'll throw that in there. <laughs> it's, it's, a fair, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a fair analogy though as well, because of, yeah. you know, when you, when you look at, if you did change the booker, then... Who, who? What is there that anybody could do? What, like, what are you going to do with Naito now? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do with like Ibushi now and things like? They, you, you, they've all faced each other so yeah. many times. Ta- what, what, what fresh thing? Like, other than you know, we talked last last night about like new factions or you know new tag teams or things like that to try and say okay we're going to make a concerted effort to actually have a tag division and do we move some of these guys or shuffle them around a bit more but you've you've almost just end up with this block of guys at the at the top that kind of have to be at the top but Mm. then there's nothing fresh or new to do with them and it doesn't look like there's necessarily the talent underneath that for them guys to be used to elevate mm. three three or four people you know through the system e- either that like uh, mm. it, just, it just seems i don't know it it, it seems like a, a real conundrum to me as as uh, what you can even mm. do with those to to generate an element of interest at the top of top of the card because they feel like they've been flogged to death mm. Suddenly, it makes a whole lot more sense why Osprey wants to go to NXT UK, doesn't it? You know, there you go. put him in the capable hands of Jim Smallman. He'll be, uh, he'll be much better off. Um, he'll be getting taped. He'll be getting taped to a chair by Jimmy Havoc within six months. <laughs> oh, God, oh, we don't need that comeback. Um, I was in the way. There'll be, there'll be some proud. Thinking about him. There'll be some proud tweet, tweet of like first 
first UK IWGP champion, mm. first like uh, first time he've held it along with the Heritage Cup, mm. like you know, two great prizes in wrestling. <laughs> oh Christ! Uh, well, speaking of uh, NXT UK, there's been uh, been rumor this week of uh, potential potential um, cuts coming their direction. Um, Hate to see it. Hate to see it. <laughs> apparently, it's not going to be Walter. I mean, I think you can work that out. But how long they've left the uh, the NXT UK title? Fuck. Adam, and apparently, Sorry. Mustache yeah. Mountain and Kaylee Ray are safe as well. But yeah, there's been uh, talk of that, and the, the reason it's coming out is uh, WWE have been in a uh, cost cutting mode uh, once again. Apparently, they got to got to save uh, got to save some money, you know, in uh, in another record profit year. Um, obviously, some on the list. Mm. Uh, you know, it was basically an NXT focused. Uh, Calling this time, um, some of the names are going to stand up more than others. You know, among the names that I think are probably notable, uh, Alexander Wolf, uh, WXW favorite, uh, <laughs> the Axeman, uh, Axel Tischer, uh, Shit, um, J- I was going to say uh, Sk- Skylar Story there. I don't know if you you know her as a name, but uh, yeah, uh, Jessamyn Duke um, is in there. Who I'd forgotten mm. was even in the in the WWE system. Uh, referee uh, Jake Clemens was released, and more high profile than that. Uh, referee uh, Drake Wertz. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it, or if it's just maybe it's just West yep. because that is what that man is. Um, got released, and then yeah, later on in the week, uh, Velveteen Dream um, got released as well. Majority of this news by. By the way, should get credit uh, broken by uh, by Sean Rassap. When I talk about Mark Jernos, I'm never talking about him. Does uh, does good work over there, that a fightful. Um, but yeah, there's a uh, yeah. Plenty to uh, to sit your teeth into there, like I say, uh, there, JP. A couple of those names are probably yeah. more notable than the others, but yeah, uh, apparently uh, I saw uh, an interview with Alexander Wolf come out, and he did he did make the comments, and the uh, the Vincels did jump on him for saying, yeah, there's never a never a situation really where uh, a company making as much as money as WWE really needs to uh, to cost cut. But I think what gets left out of that headline is he was pretty clear that well, yeah, it was. I think that was just a bullshit reason I was given because really it was just they didn't have anything to do with me um yeah which is the real reason why they uh, got rid of some of these people um as well as the controversial reasons they uh, got rid of some of the others yeah and there will be and i think for someone like him this is actually a better opportunity mm. for him to kind of be he doesn't mean anything in wwe mm. whereas if he goes out on the indies even if he turns up in some of the like let's say turn an impact or a ring of honor or anything like that he would mean a lot more mm. and I think he would definitely add something to it. Like I was never like when he'd come out of WXW and people would lose their shit and then I'd watch the match and I'd go, really? Like, mm. what am I missing? I'm oh, just completely mate. missing something alongside. That last this. carrot. I was like stood there at the top looking at, looking at Will, looking at Alan Cheapshot as the entirety of the room lost their minds. For the second year in a row, it wasn't even that good a surprise. It already happened once. Like, oh yeah, he, Axel's back. It's like, oh yeah, cool. Uh, the dude yeah. who was insanity is back. Well, okay. German legends apparently um, obviously goes back long with WXW I do I do know why the Germans like him but it wasn't that divide between the Germans losing their minds and all of the English just going huh? okay uh, <laughs> it was just like yeah I, I mean I, I saw it that first time and I was like mm. alright great um, I don't think I'm at all excited about it mm. so I think for him I think there's other you know there'll be other wrestlers on there who we don't know too much about where mm. there are places for them to go and work mm. so and we brought up this point about this as well, which I know some people really struggle with the concepts that, like, if they lose their job in WWE, it's not life over for them. There are places for them to be able to go to. There, are there is a, there is, there's a ring of honor and there's an impact where they have, like, kind of very much, you know, 
putting a heavy investment into into women rosters as well. Um, there is places around when the UK scene opens up for someone like Alexander the Wolf wanted to do a few shots over here, then then that's there. But that all entirely depends on what the COVID situation would be, whether or not it would be worthwhile him staying in the States. Um, those kind of like the Jessamine Duke one I thought was ridiculous given they never did a four horsewomen versus four horsewomen thing because she could have eaten the pin. No, there wouldn't have been an expectancy, but it just would have been an obvious kind of match to do. And it's just dumb on their part. They never did that. The Drake Verts one, I think the thing that I kind of want to say, and I've been saying it comes somewhat in jest on the daily updates when I write it in, he's been radicalised by this QAnon Mm. fucking shite. Mm. Yeah. Um, like he's been absolutely radicalized. This is no different to people being brainwashed, frankly, and being joining like uh, ter- various terrorist organizations around the world, mm. or fucking Boko Haram or Al Qaeda. Mm. There's a brainwashing process that goes on here, and that has happened to him. Mm. And it's, I'd, I, I mean, I did read some of the transcripts he did with one of the kind of like Christian radio stations. And it was, it was kind of haunting as much as anything else. Cause here's a bloke who's basically replaced all of the various addictions he's had throughout his life with an addiction to God, which is something that actually happens quite often where you find people, that's how people become fundamentalists. And that's where you get this kind of, and then he's fallen down a Q kind of Trumpian far right wing. I imagine he's got Newsmax, OAN and a bit of Fox News if he fancies watching some left wing news from time to time on as well. And if you surround yourself around that stuff, that is going to happen. Mm. I'm also assuming as well, he's not a fucking brain surgeon. He's a wrestling referee. He used to do death matches. So like <laughs> there's always that as well. That is an but he is in like, this is really problematic because there was an insurrection on January 6th, which I know the Republican Party and and people on the right like to pretend doesn't actually exist anymore. That's going to happen again. And that fucker will be at the front of the queue. And there should be no surprise when that happens because they believe he believes a pack of lies. Like, honestly, for him, it's just like he he says a verb, an adjective, and the phrase child sex trafficking. He just seems to just roll that shit off all the time, which we brought up in the pre-show chat. Anyone who mentions it that much, you're looking at them of like, right, you doth protest too much, don't you? Mm. You're going on about this a hell of a lot. He's in a bad fucking way, and I can't see this getting any better. And he's someone who, he needs to be de-radicalised, but that goes for kind of large swathes of people throughout the US. And if you want someone to blame, blame Donald fucking Trump. Because his line of bullshit has created this nonsense where he's the messiah stopping Hillary Clinton from child sex trafficking rings. Well, eight channels, some bloke posting something, eight channels, the answers. If you believe that stuff, get a fucking grip. It's clearly bollocks, like most of this conspiracy nonsense. You can't explain chaos away in the world, all right? So no easy fucking excuse with some lad on 8chan. Is going to do it as well. Anyway, I don't know where I've gone with the <laughs> rant about that kind of conspiratorial no. bullshit that exists in the world, and he's front and center of it. I almost feel bad for and him. It's toxic, but I, but I don't because of you know all the things you just said. But like you know, we came came into the company like all, all the goodwill in the world. You know, it's like oh, you know. <laughs> Again, the joke gets made about me being a deathmatch guy. I was not a Drake Younger fan at any point in my life. 
but it was always it was always an interesting note was it? it was like oh my like drake younger the the deathmatch guys got signed by wwe to be a referee and then he got the job and every account you ever heard about him was how likable he was what a nice guy he was you know kevin kevin owens is having on the uh the kevin steen show all the time which i think you know gave him a, a good rep as well but just generally the the nice things everyone had to say for him and it was it was a nice story you know not many happen in wwe but someone like that getting a full-time job maybe not as a wrestler because he wasn't even like he wasn't that good a wrestler that, that he could have ever gotten it anyway but as a referee and then doing a job so well that he became head referee and you know back when you, know, you might remember this a few years ago. NXT was actually a promotion we all liked and followed. Mm-hmm. You know, he was kind of, you know, he's part of the aesthetic of the promotion and part of, you know, the, the personality of the promotion was mm-hmm. was him too. And then, yeah, like for him to go out like like this is just, it's just, I can't see it any other way than than sad. You know, dangerous, you know, as you say, JP, with some of the shit he's spouting and worrying when you see those clips of him, you know, at school board meetings or whatever. You know, literally, if people haven't seen him, literally busting into tears about how wearing masks to either, either be at a home in London, you know, wearing, wearing masks is, uh, is great for child sex traffickers because you can't see the expression on the kids' faces so they can get stolen. It's like fairy tale stuff. And, you know, I don't agree with a lot of decisions that we make, but fuck me, I would have got rid of him, you know, a few months ago. Not mm. now. Like, he's not worth the fucking trouble, is he? Um, well, this, this is one of those, this is one of those, though, where there's a lot of WWE releases and then, you, you know, different circumstances and stuff. But you look at him and, and you just wonder, like, is he more dangerous within the system or is he more dangerous or more of a danger to, to others or even to himself outside of the system as as well? And he's someone who you kind of, like, look at and, and you wonder from that almost, like, I don't know, radicalised standpoint whether or not there's, there's, I don't know, there's almost, like, more of a duty of care to somebody like this necessarily yeah. than, 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 than than other people. And it's and it been you know we've talked in the past about release you know wrestlers getting released and things like that and to me it's just part and parcel of 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 the job you sign back sign to wwe you know that there's a you know there's a 80 percent chance you're probably getting released it might be within one year it might be within five years or something like that it's just Mm. it's just part of the job it's just the way it goes you know it's people come in people get you know, shoved out and they get replaced. Contracts. And it's just, yeah, it's, 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 it's the way that things work. But I think for something like this, this is one of those where you maybe like do question them a bit more and should they be saying, actually, yeah, we need to like, what, what have they done for this guy? Mate? Help, have yeah. they tried to get a grip of him in some way? Have they tried to help him or, or, you know, who, who knows? Maybe they have. Maybe you know. Maybe they it haven't. Seems well liked enough this... that you know because they dragged the feet, didn't they? But before getting rid of him, like there's definitely a fondness for him because otherwise, like anyone else would be gone by now, wouldn't they? So you'd like to think they've at least tried. If he had a substance abuse problem, they'd be sending him off to rehab. Hmm. I look at this as being kind of identical to that. Hmm. Like there is a point where, like, effectively, for all intents and purposes, he's he's having he's he's having a breakdown. Hmm. He's yeah. having a complete. In public view. mental breakdown in public yeah. view and it's horrible it's awful and the stuff he's saying is obviously complete shite like kind of like do away with that if you're talking about someone who people are going his behavior has completely changed from where it was a couple of years ago mm. and not in a positive way mm. you can't have him around the workplace mm. for one you can't just go well he has his political views and then that's the end of it it's like no these kind of political, the kind of things that he is saying are bullshit. 
for one. Mm. Like, you can't just go around telling loads and loads of lies and go, free speech. Nah, fuck off. Kiddie views, that stuff. Like, that's, like, this is the problem. It's not about, like, kind of political thought being kind of, like, constrained on here. It's active lies, and people have responded to it. And, again, I come back to that insurrection stuff because that was the vibe. That was a whole QAnon thing. And five people died that day, which was more than the entirety of the entire Black Lives Matter protesters. Do the people who believe this stuff, like, on they believe it to a frightening degree? Mm-hmm. And what's to stop him from, and I don't want to say I think this is going to happen, but imagine he turns up to one of these, like, Florida school board hearings in person. Mm-hmm. How might he act? What might he do? Mm-hmm. And just remember the country he's in and how much they love a fucking shooter. And I'll just throw that out there. Like, that kind of stuff, like, it's not beyond the realms of possibility. I'm not saying he's he's going to do something like that. But it's that fucking it like it that's the kind of level of seriousness it is. So when Gareth says about it, is it just more dangerous than being out of the system? I kind of think it is. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's you know it's worrying. Um, you know, again, he's already looking for indie work. He's already, you know, apparently he's doing a, a tribute show for the victims of child sex trafficking with what Loki and Matt Morgan on. Um yeah. not going away. Bikers against child sex sex trafficking. Yeah, he's not quietly. Don't want to get confused with the bikers who are for child sex trafficking, which is another (laughs) successful promotion that runs the same area. (laughs) Well, speaking of which, Velveteen Dream got released as well. Um, Yeah, that's one. That's one where there's no, there's no like turn around and go, oh well, yeah, cool, yeah, you know, obviously, yeah, but maybe WWE could have done more for them. Fuck me, why did it take them that long to get rid of that cunt? Like the the evidence has been there for, for everyone to see this entire time. I know we put out a shitty statement today where he, he finally denied it and said something about how oh i was i was protecting my character that's why i've not denied it until until this point um but you know the allegations are out there and the, the you know there was voice clips and all kinds it was clearly him um yep. you know as far as a uh, channel multiple people, people. In, yeah multiple underage people through uh, instagram dms he was yep. uh, he was chatting to yeah good riddance to that comp but sounds like there's more stuff as well david bixon span has uh been alluding to to more stories that that may well come out about him in the uh, in the coming days too. Not a popular man backstage at NXT, and yeah, mm. I'd say right about time for um, for him to be gone. If uh, if not, actually, extremely late. Yeah, like you say, the the concern with that one is really how long it's taken to mm. to, to to happen. Because where you know you talk about different circumstances, and you're talking about like you know duty of care and things like that. Actually, this is the flip side. This, you know, this is like the duty of care to other individuals who yeah. might be coming into into interaction with this with with this guy and with the um, with the things that he was accused of and being so like a lot of evidence or more evidence than you than than you often get for this type of thing thing as well. The fact that they were just prepared to let it hang there in the background, not comment on it, just like not have him on TV and things like that. That's when you then just like question them even more that it, you know, it takes uh, takes this length of time. You know, it's obviously one of them where you're delighted that this um that is uh Everything's sort of like coming home to roost, and he's finally, um, you know, finally losing his losing his job on on, on the back of it. But it does just feel a, a little bit too late um, from from that point of view. And then when you you know you you look at that statement today and some of the things that he's trying to suggest, and then people are still even, you know, producing evidence of you know 
communications that he's made and things like that that just go against what he's even you know he's trying to try to be his defense today has just mm-hmm. proven to just be like complete bollocks as well as well and you, you just think oh god well it's let's just hope he's is one of these um one of these people who more you know serious um mm-hmm. um you know aspects from a police standpoint and things like that you know come to the come to the fore now and you know something's you know, done about him on a on a much more legal level, rather than again a guy like this just been now just sort of like thrown out to the, there to the world where he can probably fly under the radar a little bit more potentially as potentially as well. You know, you just you just hope that there's de- you know some mm-hmm. definitive follow up on the back of it. Definitely, definitely. Um, and yeah, I think um, you know, and we're all glad it's happened, but you know, I would also say you know, he's it's. It's. I'm not going to say it's a shame. I think that's too strong. But like you know, he's 25. He was over as fuck at one point in NXT, doing genuinely you know an interesting character that you know that that that, that hadn't really been done um, in a few years in wrestling. Had all of this support and just by by being a shitty human being has fucked it all away. Um, but I don't know. I, I just I wonder like JP. Like, do you think that that is why he got sacked? Like, I. I feel like if they were going to sack him for that, it would have been a while ago. I, I wonder if there's smoke to this fire with you know rumors of a of other bust ups, um, you know, backstage and rumors of you know other you know there's been all that stuff, hasn't there? Where he, he comes back for TV for I'll a week and then and then he's gone again and then he's in a car crash and then this happens and then that happens. I think there's there's going to be yeah. more layers to this that comes out over time. I think they're the reasons they got rid of him. I think it's stuff that happens at the performance center. Mm. I think it's stuff that happens at work, if you can mm. think of it that way. Mm. And I think to a degree, they were happy to kind of kind of live in a, well, let's say ignorance is bliss with a lot of things that they do, where they, they go, well, there isn't like, like kind of this hard proof and we'll do an investigation and then it kind of disappears into the ether as we've seen with a lot of these things there's not much in the way of of like kind of investing you never get the impression as much in the way of this which considering they're a publicly traded company and these things kind of reflect on them you would imagine you would do something about this Mm. if this was happening at a a football club Mm. they'd be doing something about this you'd like to think um but you know not all football clubs do that as we've seen that with you know with various players who've, who've come back. But in this case, it's it's like, yeah, 25. There's a lot of this kind of, you don't want to say things like too much too soon because it doesn't justify any of the behaviour. There's no justification for, for really any of it. But if you're asking why they got rid, it's not the stuff that we're all bothered by. Mm. It's all the other stuff to do with how he got on with his co-workers. Mm. I think that's it. I wonder, and you know, we, we joked about it at the top, but like these NXT UK rumors, you know, it'd be interesting to see who does get yeah. sacked and, and who doesn't. Um, if that happens, um, you know, because there's definitely names we can all reel off <laughs> on that NXT Europe yeah. roster who've got similar, uh, if not worse, allegations than a, than Velveteen Dream and, a, and are still employed. So, um, yeah, it's probably, and- probably a mistake to, to, to say this is a moral decision. Yeah, I, I just can't think of it being a moral decision. I think this is them kind of like in some ways they're more or less viewing this as a way of culling some fat and mm. they finally got around to doing it. I mean, was it the story about one of the referees went because they didn't want Drake Verts to feel like he was being singled out? <laughs> Even though they had basically good grounds to 
let him go mm. that wanted to be like that. I don't know about the disciplinary process, but wasn't there days that he hadn't turned up to work and stuff like that? So he mm. appeared at these ball in his he eyes. Out, out of a Black Lives Matter yeah. meeting where Triple H, of all people, was given a rah rah <laughs> speech. <laughs> yeah, probably should have been sacked on the spot there, shouldn't he? Uh, but yeah, be interesting to see if yeah more more detail um, comes out in the, the coming days the- uh, surrounding it all. I would just say with the NXT UK releases, if if they happen as well, I mean, mm. obviously, one of the things we'll probably end up talking about if this happens, and you never know this. Although the NXT releases were kind of being spoken about and then didn't happen for a, for a few weeks after mm. the sort of main roster stuff, so there's a possibility these things could just be being staggered out. That makes a massive change to a lot of the British independency mm. over the summer, and I'm not like. Trust me, there's the whole, you'd go into individuals and how they're affected by it, but it just makes you wonder if they will be doing anything about that, How what the overall effect is. There's like a real ripple effects with it, I think, with with the releases in NXT UK, yeah. if they happen, well, which they it. haven't yet. For all we'd say negative about NXT UK, you know, one thing I will always say, and I think you have to temper this because people will be like, oh, it's a, it's a job for some people. Well, it's a job for what, 20 people, 30 people. Um, but it still yeah. is, you know, realistic. It is still, you know, a full-time wage for those people. Uh, part of me wonders, like, how much do we even saving if you get rid of some of those names? What are they all on? Like 10, 10 15 grand a year? Oh, does, yeah. does it really affect WWE to save 100 grand, Garrett? Yeah, yeah it's it, the thing is, though, as well, Ben, I used to say their numbers. I, I had a quick look there, and there's there's nearly 50 wrestlers who are that? like okay. assigned to the NXT UK Jeez. roster. Which, if you think that, I think it was something like 46, you know, with, when you added up the, 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 the men and the women. There's only 52 hours of TV a year, so that means you know if you if you divide the number of talent by the amount of um, TV hours that they've got to, to split beneath them, you, your chances of getting any substantial time on TV in a calendar year is absolutely you know you know minimal really when you when you break it down like that. I mean, I think I'd just be more. In, you know, I'd be looking at it as as well along the lines of, you know, the length of time that certain people have been contracted and contract status. I wonder where certain things are around contracts coming up to an end and things like that. And you might see that situation of, yeah, it might be more like a contract not getting renewed in the same way that you've seen with um, with Alexander Wolf as um, as opposed to it been outright um you know just people getting sacked mid-contract and things like that but um again even still when you look at that and you look at the volume of people on the roster there is too many people for the amount of tv that they're able to um produce and and and, and put out there and as a cost base it's not going to like save a load of you know it's, it's not going to save a load of money if they suddenly like let go of 10 people who are earning you know say conservatively say like 20 grand or something like that it's you know it's a drop in drop in the ocean for for, for wwe from from that point of view but all they'll be bothered about is probably trying to just freshen things up and just create a bit of space mm. and some of these guys are people who they've had in the system they've had an opportunity they've done nothing and okay well let's just you know let's just make a bit of space for us to to sign other people and bring them through and see if we've got a, a star in the midst of those because clearly they know that there's you know, forty percent probably of that roster, they're never going to make WWE any money. They're just somebody mm-hmm. who's there, just filling a locker at a training center. That you know, that locker can go to somebody else. And mm-hmm. you know, I think that's and probably preventing other companies from using them. Yeah, you know, exactly. It's 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 just holding them there. And then the the independent scene. You know, if WWE was smart about it, there's certain people there who 
in essence have no value to NXT UK from a TV product standpoint that if they now drop them back into the Indies now these young guys the ones who do look like they have got a bit of uh, promise who've got nobody more experienced to work with suddenly there if they're going out and they can go and have matches with six to eight people who've been in that you know who are more experienced wrestlers who've been in that NXT UK system it's just going to help kick on them lads as well so it just means that there's an improved pool of British talent for them to go right we'll have you you can come and you can take that guy's locker now in six months time or something like that because mm-hmm. you've, you've been you've been working there so it's 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 a way of just helping re helping develop and replenish the the, the guys who are a sap below that too really so mm-hmm. um you know it's it feels like it's it will be a it'll be a win for the independent scene if there are a, a few more recognizable faces that are dropped in there to the system but you know there is that part of you that thinks well yeah actually i hope it's a clean out of these guys who we know they've got sat there on their roster who've got negative allegations against them and in which case yeah you do you, you, do, you want them to be out and you just want them to be gone you know you don't want them fucking Prop, um, cropping up on the independent scene and muddying, um, muddying the waters even more and mm-hmm. you know bringing that you know, negativity into to some of these promotions who as we've seen will probably book them and give them a you know give them half the chance to totally put these good. people on the, on, the, on the cards um, just an update as well. Uh, Voices of Wrestling have just uh, just put up uh, that there's a update on Osprey to NXT UK, and that their sources are telling them that yeah, maybe what Fumi Saito has said on uh, on the Pacific Rim podcast about Osprey going to NXT UK might be, um, and it's not just him that believes it, but between him and the other people in in New Japan who think he might go to NXT UK, it's believed to be maybe a misreading of uh, what exactly NXT UK is. Uh, I think I thought as they believe he's headed to. You know, he could well be headed to a WWE, or he, you know, they're putting two and two together because he's, you know, he's homesick and you know all of the other issues. But yeah, as far as that goes, they have, they have, you know, they've they have put in their reports. Some of their sources do genuinely believe that that he's headed to NXT UK. But yeah, they are getting some uh, otherwise uh, information there as well. Um, although yeah, overall, it, I think again we can all look at that and go, is it realistic? Really, is Osprey is, it, is Osprey really going to take a, a deal with a with an NXT UK when he? When when he could no matter how homesick he is you know even nxt or you know aw the the big money on the table uh, um is the possibility and yeah voices have clarified as well that, you know their belief um is that osprey's uh contract um he did resign at 20 in 2019 for five years um but you know i don't think we we have that absolute concrete anywhere and i suppose there is always the chance if he's deeply unhappy new japan let him out of this deal but yeah they're uh they've thrown uh some cold water on that definitely uh go and support our, our friends over there at uh, Voices of Wrestling Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling yeah. for that and other news updates and uh, all kinds of stuff about uh, us being eating cunts. But anywho, we should uh, <laughs> move on to uh, to other You're stuff. not wrong, Ben. <laughs> oh, the right. I, I don't mind beans. Yeah, they're, they're, they're right. <laughs> I had a nice, a lovely brunch at the weekend with some uh, some nice beans right on it. It was great. It was one of them places where it was a, it was a, it was a breakfast. It was a, it was, a, it, was a, it was an English breakfast. So Joe wouldn't have liked it, but it was like it was a build your own situation. But the problem was every item because it's London. Every item on it cost like two or three quid. I think I ended up spending like twenty quid for this breakfast because I was just piling extra stuff on it. But it was very tasty. Did enjoy it. So yeah, and the where beans included because of course they were because we're being eating fucks. <laughs> 
Anywho, that's our notes apart. <laughs> Moving on, we should talk some AEW. Uh, we do have uh, some uh, some AEW news as well as uh, dynamite mm. to talk about. I was uh, yeah, obviously at uh, the weekend saw this uh, this pop up, and there have been different takes for it. But I think overall, people are, are taking it as a po- positive that yeah, dynamite is moving to TBS uh, next year, twenty twenty two. Along with that, uh, AEW are going to have a, a, the additional hour where we've all been uh, talking about. Uh, it's going to be launching in august initially on tnt but then moving to tbs as well tony khan in his typical ewr sign uh, ewr save mode is uh called it aw rampage uh, i think uh, yeah it's a shame he didn't didn't just go with thunder or you know something out lightning aw lightning to go along with the uh, the dynamite name but yeah rampage is as a generic a name as you could aw drizzle <laughs> Yeah, AW <laughs> uh, Drizzle. That's the one I want to see. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they got possible title there. for the show there. Just to throw <laughs> oh, amazing uh, but yeah that's the obviously the big news is that there's an extra hour coming um, apparently uh, I saw Tony Khan had uh, spoke to Boston Open Radio and did say the uh, the network did mention the possibility of turning Dynamite into a three hour show and he shut that down quite quickly so yeah Tony Khan uh, baby facing himself yet again he knows he knows that is not what uh, what anyone wants but yeah that's I mean the death of wrestling TV oh, honest to God yeah don't uh, you know Nitro made those mistakes all those years ago and WWE follow them yeah. into it how, how long's raw been three hours now it's like something like like eight years or something daft like that it's like it's longer than you think it's been a fucking yeah. long time and, and they're trapped in the content creation aspect yeah, so it's, got it's a horrible there. loop where they just go no we want three hours of tv on a monday yeah yeah and they the- don't and they haven't got the brains to know how to reformat it no. to maybe do like an hour-long pre-show with younger talent or anything else honestly nothing no. sensible like that no. no no just take take the money and it, will, it won't have any effect year on year or any crater under the ratings as things go on but no, no i think it's, it's a good sign there that obviously uh, one tony khan's got the nouse to say that and two that you know they got the power um to push back with them um i mean i was going to say about this deal jp that you might be the one to to answer this i mean mm. you know i know a lot of brits might be confused they're going from tnt to tbs we all know tbs is the uh, the channel that the thunder was on back in the day so it's, yes. it's easy to maybe think of it as secondary and maybe it is in some ways I, I, the best analogy i saw of this somebody kind of explained that it's a bit like going from bbc one to bbc two with the caveat being that bbc two in this scenario is maybe in actually in a few more homes and actually has a slightly better listing on uh, on cable systems just because of the history yeah. that comes with it so it hasn't got like that negative of like because bbc two is secondary to bbc one it's actually you know in a way tbs carries a, a lot of its own weight um it's just mm. the leaving you know they're the moving on to a, a channel that's maybe got more like comedy reruns that type of stuff um than tnt which is probably going to be more of the you know it's gonna have a lot you know they have a lot of movies on there but it looks like they're gonna have you know the, the sports stuff which is the stuff that would have preempted um aw going forward and yeah. what's preempting these next two weeks so that's another positive it means you know rather than aw getting shuffled around all the time they're they're going to be you know consistently on wednesday nights is that would you say that's a fair summarizing of the uh, the difference between the two I think so. I think that is a fair summation. I'm like there really is a minimal difference between them. I think the difference mm-hmm. in homes is like one's eighty one point three million, and that's mm-hmm. TNT, and eighty one point seven is TBS. Mm-hmm. So it's relatively minimal. They're next to each other on the EPG, mm-hmm. which is the thing that really I think that matters so much. Because in other words, if you're flicking around for dynamite and you yeah. just go down one station, you're going to find it. 
which it's not them moving around something else entirely different on there. When that happens, like that's happened to Raw and mm. SmackDown, especially SmackDown. Yep. Like those people don't tend to come back. Don't know what it is. Americans are like, ah, it's on another channel, too hard. I'm not going to bother yep. again. Like I'm done. <laughs> it's almost like it's not on this channel. You had your chance. That's it. I'm gone. Yeah, like yeah. it's incredibly harsh. Mm-hmm. Um, so like my impression of this deal is that it's a good deal primarily because what they were able to do was renegotiate their deal again. Now the terms of that haven't been in, haven't been disclosed, other than it's eight figures, mm. which you know could be anywhere from ten million. I heard Joe Lanza say this again, so bringing him up all throughout the show. Um, between ten and ninety nine million. Now it's likely to be at the lower end of that. Mm. But normally, what happens in these situations is that TV execs are quite cutthroat, mm. and they'll just cut. Their, they'll just go, no, that's it. We'll get rid because we've bought this other property and it brings in these, it's the advertising revenue that something like a hockey brings in or yeah. a basketball. That's why you invest in it. And it's live TV and there's very, it's easier to get the kind of sponsors and everything else. But the fact they've not done away with AEW is the sign that no, you're important to us. Mm-hmm. And in fact, we're going to give you money in order to make this move happen. And AEW is entirely reliant on that money in order to, in order for its survival. So, what they've what this does is it just further cements that AEW um time warner relationship mm. which is it which is enormous for this in terms of the profile of the stations if i'm right in thinking tbs does skew slightly older tnt slightly younger um might help and, get some of them raw and smackdown viewers <laughs> yeah it, it could help i mean again it'll be interesting to know but also the cody Rhodes reality show goes to tbs as well so oh, i mean yeah. there's a good chance of it kind of becoming like the big show on tbs itself the thing that's kind of heavily promoted and we say it's got old like kind of reruns of seinfeld that shit does good numbers mm. like that's that's not a bad lead-in to have mm. so i think it's I do think it's kind of, it, it's interesting at the moment. I mean, Joe Mills just said that the NBA commentators, this is during the playoffs as well that's going on, um, are plugging double and nothing. Mm, like that, really that shows that. that yeah. Put it this way, I didn't see ITV doing it in any of their football <laughs> or any of their um, rugby coverage, where I was actually, one of the things I was saying about when ITV got it, and I'm going to come on to ITV in a, in a, in a minute, um, it is that, I thought, well, that's the way you build it up because it's through your sports division, but they never did that. Mm-hmm. It, it, it just never feels like it's kind of getting plugged by by anything for this. Um, I think, you know, overall, like I would have preferred a daytime show rather than the Friday evening show for me. You both would. Um, it's fucking the weekend preview, yeah. JP. It is, it is fucking the weekend preview up entirely for this. We'll end up having to do it early on a Saturday and just be completely resentful the entire way we're doing it, probably competing with football focus. Um, and I like Alex Scott, so I, I, you know, I do want to watch those. I do think this, but this amount of money that they're going to be getting, do you invest a lot of that in a Daniel Bryan if you've got the opportunity? Now, for me, I would say absolutely yes. Like, because that is someone who I think that there's going to be a tangible response to what you're going to get, whether it's paper increased pay per view buys and an in, and, and an increase in ratings. That's what I kind of think. So I wonder whether or not you could throw that to a Daniel Bryan or a CM Punk. Whether or not you you can you can do that with that, or are you going to be signing other people to kind of much stronger deals? Because they they've got a lot of people under contract anyway. You'd argue, and they kind of needed the extra hour to be able to showcase some of that. 
I like the fact they've got clash specials. Yeah, four I clash specials a year. Clash style specials. They can't call it clash yeah. of the champions. That's one um, copyright they haven't been able to get. But yeah, that is yeah another big part of the deal, isn't that it? Yeah, battle four, of the winners. Four TV specials a year on TNT, <laughs> on TNT proper as well. Is that what it's called? <laughs> I hope it is. No, it isn't. I hope it is. <laughs> there is a rumor they did copyright something that's like that. That was not that far away from the real one. I'll have to find it. Um, but I wonder it's going to be battle of the belts or something like that. It's called. So yeah. <laughs> But that's strong, Clash isn't it? Like, to a point, Gareth. Bash of the champions. I'm guessing you're yeah. a big uh, old old school Clash fan. Ooh, Gareth or <laughs> me? I think both of us are. Yeah, I was yeah, going to, I was going to say. No, yeah, yeah, no. I, I, th- I think that's just that's a massive boost. I think that as well as maintain, as well as obviously the financial deal for moving channels, and it shows that long term commitment to or that long term relationship between the the TV network and, and, and AW, I think maintaining that element of a presence on, on both channels as well by having yep. the, you know, the, the, these um, specials and things like that. It's really strong as well because then it does, um, it, you know, it keeps that, it keeps that cont- continuity with, with, with both channels. And then also it just builds in that cross promotional element as well there, you know, obviously where, where Joe Joe's saying there about the the NBA commentators plugging it, then obviously we've then got the hockey on there as well, and it's potentially getting you know plugged to a different sports audience and things like that as well. It's one of these cumulative things that over a, a period of time, by having different touch points on different networks, that you can kind of attract people in and, and, and watch it. Hope, hope that it's something that's just going to be a a long term gain for them. And then obviously one of the major things that we've like we've talked about in the past is obviously this difference now between TV revenue and pay per view revenue. And, and the way that you know the, the model's very different to when we were kids, and obviously you built towards your pay-per-views, and then it was okay. Let's go from four pay-per-views to let's go to twelve pay-per-views. Then now, actually having those almost like temple TV events as well as your temple pay-per-view events, mm. it gives you more things to build towards, but it gives you more opportunities to generate revenue from a, both a pay-per-view side of things but also cement that next tv deal as well you can turn around and go okay well when, when we're putting on fighter fest or well you know what you know the the, the tv based big event shows that they that they do if they can build towards them better because they feel more special and they feel like a a, a, a larger event mm-hmm. then you'd like to think that they're going to generate more TV ratings for those shows as well, and then in, in which case they then become more valuable as a as, as a proposition and as, as part of a ongoing TV package as well. So, from a long term revenue generation standpoint as well, it just feels like it's a it's a major escalation as well. That you know, if you turn around in five years time off the back of a, a, an element of success like like that, then then that's going to be great. Just need to do better TV ratings than they did this week though. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say. I mean, that's the that's the other tie-in. You know, the, this this week's uh, show. We are <laughs> the trend isn't good, but there are some reasons uh, for it. Um, it's yeah, it, it's week eight hundred twenty-one thousand um, for this past week's week's dynamite um, down twelve percent um, from the week before. I don't. Know, I mean, I, to be honest, when I saw that lineup again, I, I I joked about this week's show coming up looking like a dark lineup. I mean, on paper, this didn't look like the strongest dynamite. It looked like one of those weeks where they were accepting mm. it was going to be a bit of a, a drop down. And you know, while the stars were there, uh, they seemed to be mainly there. There was a lot of promos and and kind of 
pre-taped segments on this show. If anything, it was probably the most post-produced show I think I've seen them do. Um, mm. I think there was some negative stuff, to be honest. There was loads of times where it felt like Tony Schiavone was like literally phoning his, his lines in from a telephone. Like he was just adding bits <laughs> into the commentary and Excalibur's voice would be great. And then two seconds later, it was terrible because it was clearly something he'd recorded at four in the morning to uh, add on to the broadcast. And it was, yeah, it was a, it was a very weird show. Um this last week's one but yeah a bit of a dip in the ratings and there's probably a a bigger dip coming you know with this week's show being on friday and the week after's almost certainly gonna end up being a, a friday as well um it's uh yeah a bit of a bit of a, a dip can you know compared to the uh the big ratings they were doing earlier on when uh when nxt moved off jp yeah it is isn't it and it, it's what was the reason this week it was the lakers warriors game is that is what that it was? was that was the one that that was the reason given but mm. um that happens a lot mm. and if i'm thinking now it's like okay we are getting to the point where the 800,000 is the base base number mm. and then there's a kind of extra 2 to 400,000 people who are floating who may decide to watch it, but then if something else is on, they're easily going to go and do that. So the thing I come back to, and I don't know the numbers, is I'm I'm wondering what the plus seven numbers are. Mm. What is it doing after seven days? How many of the people are catching up as well? As Joe said there in the chat, like, you know, I don't know much about NBA, but I was going to say NWA then. I know a lot about that. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) LeBron versus Curry. Apparently the best NBA game game of the season. Um, So yeah, maybe maybe there's something to, well, I'm sure there is, but maybe it's stronger than we're giving credit for. Yeah. And plus, and plus, plus from from that giving credit point of view as well, you've got to look at that relationship between AEW and you know TNT as well. And mm-hmm. it's not like they don't talk to each other. You know, yeah. they're so close and so deep in their analytics that you know you see a rating come out like this, and you know it wouldn't surprise me if that conversation has been had even before the show you know even aired um last week that you know they've sat down with the the executives there and they've probably made predictions of what they'd expect the ratings going to be and they're probably well aware of the fact that it's going to going to fall and things and they've probably got you know boundaries of expectation that they're setting for shows in this scenario when there's a big competitive basketball game and things like that it's not i'm i'm I find it unfeasible to think that it's kind of just a case of like suddenly there's 300,000 people's gone off the rating and then like AEW's running around panicking because their audience has dropped and the same's going on at like TNT HQs of, oh my God, their audience has tanked this week. And so I'm pretty certain they're all talking with each other. And, you know, they, they they know that there's a reasons behind it. And as like JP says there, as long as like you're, you know, your seven day figures and things like that hold up and it shows that, you know, okay, they might not be watching it live because they're watching the basketball, but they still watched it on Friday or they watched it on Saturday or something like that and they still remained engaged with the product in in some way, then, you know, that's that that would be when there'd be room for panic, I suppose, if if your overall audience watching it through at, at any time period is beginning to in, in to fall, but there's there's no indication that that's the case at all. I, I was going to say, sorry, just going back, a really quick point. And I, I, was, I brought it up earlier on. Where do ITV fit in with AEW as a potential partner? I was wondering about how are we going to be watching Rampage? Is that going to be on Fight TV? Are ITV going to have it on? If so, you'll what be, day are they going to do it? You'll be watching it on my Fight TV account, mate. <laughs> as <laughs> always. Yeah, the, 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 way, the way Christ intended. And you're thinking, I didn't resume... 
I didn't see it up to this point last time. <laughs> but yeah, it's it is one of those things where you you look at it and mm. like you wonder where they fit into the mix as well and how committed ITV are as a partner because mm. I have to kind of think they must be quite happy with those ITV four figures and having someone like an Anthony a go go they might make some use of that. Which then I, uh, dynamite. <laughs> I, I was really surprised because I have it set up like on my Sky planner to just record, mm-hmm. and I never watch it via there. I always watch it like on my laptop on 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 the fight link. But I was really surprised to see that it was on at like ten thirty at night on a Friday night. I was yeah. think I thought it was I thought it was hidden away at like you know twelve forty or something like that. You know, so I was, I was really surprised that it was on at like at, at that gets moved early, around. I quite suppose a bit. sometimes it's, it's on like a Friday night. Yeah, mostly yeah, it seems was, to be all time. Yeah, I was thinking it, if there's, if there's that element of con- consistency there, then it gives it more chance to to build the audience as well, doesn't it? At, at that time of night, and you know, if they if they, but equally again, who knows? Maybe that just gives AEW a compelling in, enough level of ratings that when they've got these additional shows, they can now go and try and flog them to Channel Five or whoever kind of thing as well, and to, you know, mm-hmm. take that extra hour to a to another network who. Again, it might you know might build up uh, other relationships there as well. But yeah, um, yeah. I'd, love to see I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. As long as it doesn't end up like WCW Worldwide, it's like <laughs> 20, 20 to three in the morning. Yeah. Sat up watching this. Wax bam, Batman sounds. That's it, it, pal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was a great Z-Man match, but was it worth staying up till four a.m. to watch? <laughs> Uh, Channel Five, yeah, don't don't bid for that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, getting into Dynamite as a, as a show itself. Any any strong thoughts on it as a show this week? I I thought it was fine. I I saw a lot of big praise for it. Uh, I don't know if you guys would share that. I mean, I was, you know, I enjoyed the Moxley and Kingston stealing the shoes angle. Thought that was uh, yep. that was particularly great. Max Caster's uh, line about uh, oral sessions was uh, was a particularly good one. Uh, Renee Renee took it well. She uh, she always does. She's uh, she's a good good follower on, uh, on the old Twitter. But yeah, I thought that was a highlight. I thought uh, I love yeah. to uh, you know I think Serena Deeb looked like the uh, yeah. the star that that, that she is um, out out there with her velvet. I thought that was a a really good match. Maybe my highlights as far as matches go. Um, yeah, what would uh, what you guys uh, highlights from Dynamite this week? I would for go me. with. Sorry, go on. I was, was, was going to say the, the, the highlight for me was that match, that Red Velvet Serena Dean match. It was yeah. it was it was absolutely fantastic. I just um, I think what a uh, what an S- asset both of these are, are proven to be as this as this women's division started to develop and flesh out and certain people have got more experienced and been given more opportunities and things like that obviously Serena Deeb coming in and been someone who's you know already bringing that level of experience but the quality of matches that she's put on pretty much every time she's she's been on tv there and and I just like this with with her returning this time and returning with this I don't know more just just more aggressive edge to her as well kind of thing almost like a you know, a slightly more of a heel leaning than she's maybe shown in the in in, in the past as well. But it just, I just thought the pace of it, everything was really high impact. There was really good striking. The um, it had, I think, one of the things that jumped out to it was like that genuine competitive feel to it as well, which I, which which I think was think was great. But it didn't all just come from Serena D. But it came from Red Velvet as well. And as much as people talk about like Tay Conti and Anna Jay has been like success stories of the AW Women's Division over the last twelve months, 
I think Red Velvet really jumps out from that point of view. And again, she's to me, she is just another example of with the reps she's been able to get on dark and you know just working matches regularly, you know, working on TV as opposed to you know learning in a warehouse somewhere. You know, I think it's it's really shown the value in accelerating somebody not only as a wrestler but the confidence that they can bring to their their character and their in-ring work because to me she's someone who when i first saw her she looked a little bit rabbit in the headlights and didn't you know she didn't look tv ready now she's accelerated a fucking rapid rate there where you know in that match you were thinking you know christ you throw into her into the mix against the six or seven other people there that we talk you know obviously we we wax lyrical about Britt baker and you know sheeda and thunder rosa and then obviously uh, you know reference there you know chris statlander improve and Tay conti and you know things like that suddenly this women's division at aw has gone from mm. something that was deemed to be a bit of a joke and a laughing stock where they're actually putting on really good strong quality matches and so you know suddenly it's becoming one of the key parts and highlights of the the show to me and there's there's a lot of people that you're looking there of um you know real promise to emerge as a, as a star in the next two to two to um, three years and then obviously then on top of that you add uh, jay cargill to the mix as well as someone who's just that bit different and maybe not that worker but that that big character that big personality with star quality and um, yeah, all, 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 all this, you know, feeding together, feeding together, just feels like a, a massive positive to me. And um, yeah, I loved this on this show. I mean, I went three and a half on it, but mm. I was very tempted yeah, to go three point seven five. To be yeah. honest, I was kind of flickering between between the two, and I just sort of heard on the negative for whatever ever reason. There, maybe I'm just negative. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, I think you give this like because what was this? Just sort of a shade under ten minutes. I think you give this another five minutes, mm. and you've really got something then when you can really go into it. So for like a TV match, it was perfect. Because it was like a kind of not a bolt from the blue, but it just had like real momentum at a point when the show could be lagging a bit. Mm. I completely agree with a lot of the stuff that you uh, you've said there. Like we've been kind of quietly high on the AEW women's division for a while, and these are two of the people who don't often get thought about um, uh, as much when it's. Um, uh, like when it when it comes to a lot of those those names that you mention, but Serena, Serena Deeb, I was thinking less of a heel and more of a kind of like veteran. The idea of knowing what the shortcuts to take, knowing how to be aggressive and do that, and I think that kind of worked. And I thought, well, you've actually got the groundings of a nice little feud to have there. Mm-hmm. And Red Velvet, if you imagine, like a lot of her call to prominence was you mentioned Jade Cargill was her replacing Brandy, and my God, how it would have been worse. We would have been talking about Brandy fucking up, wouldn't we? Yeah. And how bad the moments her and Jade Cargill were. Oh, we would have been talking about yeah. like as much about the shack bump. You go, well, they did the shack bump to kind of rescue the rest of it. Now, nah, Red Velvet has lived up to like, she's been doing a lot of this stuff kind of under real high pressure on TV. And it's really good to see someone being consistently rewarded where you're going she's really developing in front of us. So you're going to get that organic, natural crowd connection when she's there. And it's a a whole justification for dark and dark elevation, which are two shows that I don't watch necessarily. It's only so much AEW you can really watch in the week. But you know what? Every time I've switched on, even if I'm just like doing other things, whether it's like cleaning or something like that, 
It's always been enjoyable. I've always found the commentary kind of nice. I've always thought these are workers who I don't know. I like the concept of the show. I like the tiering system. I think it gets everyone gets reps in. They're doing it like they've they've kind of got a solid format to it as well, and they give you a bit of character. Yeah, so like this for me was like the obvious kind of highlight, and certainly from a wrestling perspective on on the show. Um, I went three and a half, like you guys, but like could have gone could have gone higher. Could have gone higher on uh, the, the the other match that I thought was the highlight of the show. Uh, Anthony Agogo out there with the, one of the oh. sons. Was it Austin? I don't even know which one it was. Austin. Uh, tell yeah. you what, as, as much as I disliked Cody's promo, um, although, again, I will say, I still get amused at, uh, at, at whatever Cody does, especially in this match where he was hanging out outside with his American flag um, in his track jacket. Uh, this... <laughs> This Anthony Agogo run is just like, he's turning this whole feud around. Like, I don't know how effective a job Cody's doing as being the babyface here, because I really don't think it's just the Brits at this point. I think everyone is behind Anthony Agogo at this point with both the promo he's cutting, you know, when the AW cameras are on, and also just on Twitter um, with the abuse. He was he was having a go at them for uh, passing his driving test today. Apparently, you just you yep. circle around some cones and you, you're done in 20 minutes, uh, as well as some yeah, more serious matters of about yeah, the uh, the impoverished nature of the the poor in America and the gun guns and all of that stuff. Healthcare. <laughs> He's an absolute. He has baby. a point. As far as like, oh, honestly, and yeah, this uh, this match with uh, whichever gun it was on uh, on Dynamite as well, it was. <laughs> You know, it, I, I I still wonder, you know, Anthony Gogo doing an actual wrestling back and forth match with someone, you know, what's he got in his locker? But as far as a match goes as well, you know, protecting someone's weaknesses and just showing off the strengths, this was fucking great. The, uh, you know, that Austin Gunn with a blood packet in his mouth, uh, you know, a bit, bit, bit of tomato ketchup there to uh, to sell it, you know, and the the, the gut punch was was death and just in general, yeah, his, uh, his big uh, his pop-up um, knockout which is what a simple but effective move for, for someone oh. in his in his position and then yeah like I say you had uh, Cody and what's left of I don't even know why that nightmare that side of the nightmare family still exists with, with Arn Anderson on the outside and Cody was an American flag getting in the ring and leaving his flag uh, draped on the roof for uh, for Anthony Gogo to have his way with like yeah uh, Cody's uh, still Cody he's gone to Cody what are you going to do but yeah Anthony Gogo has been an absolute highlight of Dynamite these last few weeks I reckon I agree with a big asterisk on let's see what the match is like because he <laughs> can all die in one night yep he can go one of a couple of ways like mm. you're expecting more than the Shaq match mm. and he chose athleticism in there he didn't look like he was completely lost or anything mm. else but you, it's, you can't judge it on this like mm. on this kind of a match it's 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 still that kind of showcase of him, which he has a lot of that stuff down. And I like the fact that they're talking about the eye because I think that's a really interesting story. A, because it's going to play into the matches, the idea of anyone diving over to his left. But also it gives the real credibility of, well, what this guy may well have done if he'd been in professional boxing a bit longer, but he had to retire because of his eye. And the fact that he's battling about the fact that it's 78%, he's blind in his left. In, in his eye as well. Like I think all those things kind of really added to it. Let's just see what the match is like. I'll be honest. I'm, I'm fearing the worst and hoping to be pleasantly surprised because it would be great if he turned out to be like, have a kind of level of, I don't know, like not prodigious talent, but he just kind of gets it and he's able to work a, a kind of a decent match because 
talk about fresh and new on the kind of in terms of British wrestlers, like my God, this kind of changes quite a lot of stuff. And if he's good at it, it's the kind of stuff that will get on the BBC sport site. Mm-hmm. Like it'll get into the sun. It'll get into mainstream British press. Like even if it's kind of people might not think of it as much of a story, and you know, but I think that's the kind of potential that it has considering they don't have any, like they've got Kip Sabian, mm. but really they've got no, <laughs> like this is You're all question re- here. Like, <laughs> representative. Yeah. <laughs> and I like him. Yeah. But there's no one else like, mm. and, and I think this is like in terms of the storyline and the rah, rah element with the, patriotism i just look at it as wrestling 101 it's it's quite lazy they do this stuff a load of times i'm sure we said this last week but um overall like i'm intrigued it's going to be one of these matches where it's a good reason we're not doing like the watch along because Mm. i want to see everything that happens during this match because i don't think it'll go very long and it's like it means everything's going to kind of have to matter and like in an really what should be happening is he should be smashing the shit out of Cody and Cody goes away in paternity and then mm. comes back, you know, maybe one of the TNT specials. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, big, big sell yeah, job from Cody uh, coming, I reckon, Gareth. Yeah, and I think this is the value of Cody as well. As much as we talk about him like flopping between his different feuds and him having a short attention span and things like that, for as good as Anthony Gogo has been, he's only getting this presence because of. It being with Cody, you know, it's it's getting that level of profile and that level of time and things like that because of, because because of Cody and this is the value in Cody is is you know again it's elevating you know people or at least putting the opportunity there for different people to be elevated in this way and he did do it like Darby Allen and things didn't he in the first year and sure. stuff there's, you know there's different people that he's worked with there he, he, um, Kingston got a job you know, so yeah yeah. Um, Wardlow as well, I think. Wardlow worked with Cody Rhodes, didn't yeah, he, as well, match, for, yeah. for a bit as well, you know. So he has, for, for as much as we do criticise him, he has had actually a lot of value in, in in terms of elevating some of this newer talent or younger talent as well. And, you know, I think this is, again, no matter what direction this goes, if ultimately Cody does end up winning the feud, what, what you've got is Anthony Agogo meaning more in two months time that he meant two months ago and and that's that that's a win either way is that you bring in somebody else through who's who's got a bit more purpose and yeah like you say from a british standpoint where they do have object you know they do have a clear objective to run some shows in britain in the future and things like that he's just going to be a perfect guy to just do the rounds of the you know the british media and have him popping up and doing something with Philip Schofield or something like that on this morning and things like that, you know, and it's, especially where it's ITV as well, those, those kind of opportunities and things like that will be, be, be invaluable really. And it's, it's a much easier sell with it's when it's a British guy who's going to have some name recognition to middle England than, um, than, you know, trying to do it with John Moxley or Eddie Kingston or something like that. Yeah. You can't sit Moxley on the sofa on Graham Norton, can you? Sure, it's true. I'd want to see it still. I'd love to see it, yeah. Eddie Kingston on that sofa alongside it. With fucking June Brown and Lady Gaga on the other side. (laughs) 
<laughs> he'd charm him, mate. He'd charm them. You know he would. <laughs> I'd be into that. June proud. <laughs> Another possible title. Um, yeah. <laughs> any other highlights from Dynamite then, or like other than uh, than that stuff that you guys uh, particularly wanted to mention? I would like to mention the acclaimed. Like this was one of the better acclaimed. I'm not mad on the acclaimed in the ring. I enjoy Max Caster. Like I enjoy the act. I'm enjoying it more and more. I know that there's a kind of juvenile element to it, but it's the way that he kind of carries it off. I've seen like a few of these things. Mm. I enjoy them more than perhaps I should do. It feels like much more of a kind of guilty pleasure. Well, we know you're a big hip hop fan from the Q and A, JP. Big well, obvious, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, big Guru's a damager fan. <laughs> you know your freestyles. I, I really do not <laughs> like. <laughs> this is just through osmosis but it, it's like i i'm them as an act like i i'm fine like they're the kind of act that should have like a secondary tag team titles that's really where they should be and they're young and they're developing and what it did is it added some really good heat to the match because you look at moxley's face and he's just doing the kind of just staring through them as well. And they obviously would have discussed it. And then attacking Bowens before he gets to finish off the tagline. And I just think he kind of added things off to a kind of uh, a, a kind of a good start. I enjoy Moxley and Kingston, like you say, when they came in later on in the show and they <sighs> when they're stealing the Bucks trainers. That's, the fact that Moxley couldn't get them off, that was my favourite bit. The fact that Kingston yes. knew exactly what he was doing. And you could tell Moxley was struggling to the point they had to cut away. And then they came back and they just had all the shoes. But that was still great too, because you got the, the visual of Kingsley just stepping yep. in there with four pairs. It's a shame they weren't Knicks um, to the uh, to the pre-show chat. <laughs> four pairs of Nikes. I, I, I want to see the laces tied together and hanging over a uh, telephone line. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would say by the way i like this like the last time they did this you ended up with omega and page which worked brilliantly like for for what it did and i like the fact of moxley's got a tag team partner to go to mm. just because it doesn't mean he's always a central figure in the main event like kind of so in the world title scene it just means you can just move him on ever so slightly for this mm. And you've got Kingston there where if he, you know, he takes the fall, that's that's no real surprise. Oh, but yeah. my God, again, every time you look, you go, this is great, isn't it? Like, mm. And at some point you do want him to win a title there because it will really mean something. Even if it's the tag team belts, even if it's the TNT title, it's not likely to be the world title. But like there's a, just the, his delivery. Like when he says about like, is it the, the rapper and the rapper's friend that we were talking <laughs> about before? Like it, it, it's, it's all of these things where he's just kind of found his home and he's yeah. just sort of walked in as this experienced veteran and he's getting rewarded by putting in high profile matches where you know he'll live up to his end of the bargain. And all of the things that we might well have been lower on him about in his career, about thinking, well, this is why you're not in a big company. It might be the kind of physique. Mm-hmm. It might be the kind of rough around the edges style. Well, even his back, That's he's, all part- got a, he's got a ceiling. You know, he's he does have a ceiling. Like, you know. It's part of the appeal. Mm-hmm. Like, you know... Like when him and Moxley had that first match, I remember going like four stars on this and just going, that was as, that was as good as you were going to get from a kind of match like this. And he adds the subsequent drama to it as well. Mm -hmm. And these little touches have been nice in the build up for it. Mm -hmm. Um, He's improved his look though as well. Yeah. Like yeah. Just, I mean, physically, I mean, his gear, I think he, the gear he used to wear, it looked awfully bad indie look about it. Whereas now he's, he's maintained the same, 
look and feel of it, but he's mm. done it, presented himself in a way that makes him look more That's to have more star quality kind of thing, I think mm, so, yes. yeah, than, than, than what it was done previously. And I think that's important as well because mm. um, when you are on TV, you can't look like total shit, and he did look like total shit at first. Whereas now he does look like a genuine star. Like. Remember the green he wore against Moxley? Oof, that was bad. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know you love Masawa, but fucking come oh, on, mate, honestly, yeah. That, and people were acting like that. He looked fucking amazing. He looked terrible, and I'm as, I'm a, you know, as happy mm. as anyone that Eddie Kings believe me that he's getting this mainstream run after you know fifteen odd years of uh, spinning his wheels on the indies. But yeah, that is that was always his downside. But yeah. Even that's improved, doesn't it? I, I would say the same thing for the Varsity Blondes. Mm. Like, it's just those little touches that have made them look like a proper team. Mm. Yeah. And, like, and then they've got, um, oh, what's Hart. her name? Is it Julie Hart? Mm. Um, Not a real like, heart, apparently. That that, 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 yeah. that broke my, broke my <laughs> heart when I found that out. <laughs> Don Callis dropped in the line. He goes, like, the golden rule in Canada, you never trust a heart. Never trust <laughs> something. Yeah, which I thought, I thought was a great line. We need to find it. a link. But I... 12th cousin or something. I, <laughs> She's got to be related I, cause, somehow. Because <laughs> that main event match, like I had relatively low expectations because we've seen quite a lot of Brian Pillman Jr. from particularly like kind of MLW mm. where he was kind of all over those shows and he was like incredibly raw. Mm. Do you know what? He's really, he's coming along well here mm. and they mentioned the dark side of the ring. They don't hide away from any of that. So, I mean, he brought it up in the promo himself. I think he came across so well in that documentary mm. that like immediately I'm kind of there with it of like, Oh, this is the journey with them and Griff Garrison. Griff Garrison's good. Mm. I mean, he's he, like, he needs to fill out a bit more, but my God, like, you know, he's a good hot tag. Like he comes in when he does that dive over the ropes, you know, he clears it by a fair amount as well. I mean, like there's, there's good stuff there. Again, I'm, banging on about secondary tag team titles. I've heard rumours of a trios title. It's like, fuck that. No, secondary tag team titles. Because you've got loads of good secondary tag teams that just need a bit of stakes added to their matches. But yeah, with with this as well, I, I like enjoy the fact that they were, you know, it's trying a different pair, uh, like in a television main event. It's really good experience for him. I think his selling's come along a lot a, a, a lot as well um, in terms of Brian Pillman. I thought like there was just some good stuff. And I went 3.25 on it. It's nothing, you know, it's a TV tag main event, but I enjoyed it more than perhaps I thought I was going to. And, you know, the Bucks doing the ultra cocky stuff. I I don't mind that incarnation of the Bucks in a match like this because mm. like, the result wasn't really ever in doubt. But, you know, what the hell was Matt Jackson wearing on the... What are they wearing overall? I mean, it's 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 the side of the Bucks where you think, I kind of hate this, but at the same time, it does generate a kind of heat. So mm. does that mean it's working? So you kind of you're liking it, but sort of through gritted teeth whilst at the same time disliking. It's a weird feeling. Yeah. I, I'm like that. I think with their whole, the, the books aesthetic at the minute, the, the mm. outfits that they're wearing and things like that. I just think it's good heel heat kind of thing that they're, uh, that, that they're generating with that. And I just think the whole alongside that turning up the dial on the cockiness and that, like that character side of things as well, that stuff going on, on with it. It's just making them look like bigger dicks and things like that. And making you be go against, give, give you less reason to like them, which I think is important because mm. there's a lot of people out there who will still want to 
cheer for the books and i think as much as they can just do little sort of things that make you not want to cheer for them then that's a that's a that's a real positive i mean in terms of other stuff on the show i mean the, the something that jumped out for me again was like miro and his promo yeah. like i really really yeah. enjoyed miro's promo and I, and, I, and i think one of the things that over the years when you've seen him on different things when he's been given the opportunity to talk in a non-scripted environment he's always come across as somebody who is a natural talker he's he's naturally a funny charismatic person and and i think that was something that you know really came across here i think there was that great moment there where he was talking and then the crowd like disrupted him with the we want derby chance and then he just kind of you know he just stepped away from what he was talking about just held the belt up and said there's your derby kind of thing and he was just he wasn't stuck in the moment of what he needed to say so much that he couldn't pull himself back from it and then react to the to the to the crowd accordingly and i think putting him in an environment there with a with a live crowd when he's doing promos a, a bigger more genuine live crowd in the future i think he's just going to bounce off it a lot more with his natural natural wit and his natural ability to you know engage with with people and things like that and that so, you know I, I think that just came across as a, as a as a real positive i just loved some of the lines that he threw in there like to to jake the snake like you know you whatever you come too close and there's not enough yoga in the world that's going to be able to save you and things <laughs> yeah. like that just like what a good line that is you know to if you know you know in your jake the, jake the snake history and things like that but i just think he's i don't know i just see ass kicking baby face in the future for him yeah. further down the down the totally. line but currently on this you know the the way that he's been repackaged over the last four weeks five weeks just perfection i'm enjoying him so much why didn't they bring him in there like this it was the crazy thing that you just come, it's, just like, it's not it wasn't rocket science you beam him in you make him look like zangief out of street <laughs> and you have him kicking ass mm. like so i have to say his his one of his lines where he says like i'd like to thank jesus christ for making me so tough and strong that i could smash my opponents <laughs> just like <laughs> Oh, it's just very, very good. Well, this it's is why like he got over. Little... This is why he got over. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's why Rusev Day chance took over WWE shows. Like, yeah, we we just could have done this what six months earlier. Mm. Was that unreasonable <laughs> to kind of say? I know you think this whole video game thing's a good idea. Let's just scrap it and go to you coming in as an Ooh. ass kicker. All right, how does that sound? That sounds good. Um, but I'm glad we're Sabian getting battered though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, it wasn't worth it for that. Like it just wasn't worth it for that in the end. As much it as was, we all it, enjoyed it. Yeah, as much as we all enjoyed it. But like now, overall, he's good. He's he's like a good dark horse to have around the main event scene. At this point, that's how he kind of feels. You know, in World Cup circles, he's he's your Croatia in a World Cup sweepstake. Good outside bet with some, like, you know, just really good aspects to it. But, you know, want to see it tested at that top level. But I was thinking him versus Omega. I'd be interested in him and Moxley. I'd be interested in. I know we would have probably seen it in the WWE environment. I have no recollection of it. I assume it exists. But Mm. in this environment, it feels, you know, good. Him and Lance Archer, I do think, has a ceiling, unfortunately. And I think that's more down to the kind of age and wear and tear on Lance Archer who, as he gets older, just like the back issues become that bit more pronounced. He doesn't wrestle particularly much. But I I assume it'll be a sort of a good big man kick-ass match and the rest of it. But 
Okay. Um, I think even if Lance Archer yeah. was 20, he'd probably get the same thing, would you not? I don't know. I, I, I'm still excited for it. Big big fellas hitting each other hard. I think that's, oh, that's all we need to do. 10, ten, ten minutes that's what it needs to be. Knocking out of each other yeah. for 10 minutes. Mm. Yeah. Just 10 minutes, though. Mm. Yeah. Don't try to get anything remotely close to kind of epic there. This needs to be different from a lot of your other title matches. Mm. So just make it short, sweet, violent, and leave it at that. Definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, I think that kind of about sums it up, doesn't it, for AW? I suppose there was the, uh, the three-star. Yeah, there's all that stuff. Kit Bryan, uh, Christine Cage, Matt Seidel had a three-odd star match. Um, you know, solid Seidel's pro- been all right. Solid professionals having a professional wrestling match is kind of what it was for me. Yeah. I don't have, don't have huge that was Christian. That was Christian the draw starting the show. That's why it, that's why it, uh, <laughs> yeah. it started at 800 and it wasn't going to pick up because people are oh, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh. just our interpretation, but yeah, I think it is. I must admit, I, I've been intrigued seeing the ratings come in and seeing that he opened the show. It did make me think, oh, if I can find a bit of time here, I just want to like have a little <laughs> dive into the ratings now on a Christian segment standpoint and just see if there's any any evidence here of him having a um, of what impacts uh, he has at, at different points in the show. But mm. watch this space. I think we'll have a look at that. I put that. Do you know what? I actually, I, when I was out. Um, uh, on a walk over the over the weekend, I ended up listening to the Talk Is Jericho episode, which was interesting enough because it's like just two old friends talking about it and all the rest of it. But yeah, I, I wanted to just give a bit of a shout out to Matt Seidel, who I think has been really good. I mean, he hasn't approached where he was in the kind of New Japan PWG days of sort of 2016 and the rest of it, but he feels like he's got himself back on track and the fact he's got that tag team with his brother to go back to as well, I think that's kind of good. He's a good, experienced hand. Work, like, should he be working on Christian Cage? No. There's a whole load of other younger talent that really who he should be in the ring with. But at the same time, he's. I think he delivers a consistency of like sort of decent television matches. Mm. No, that's true. And you need that on your show, don't you? You do pinnacle in a circle stuff. I just, I mean, that was nonsense. I hate killing a week. Jericho needs to be like some of his ideas, like, and and you know, it's his idea. Like this whole, like, you know, taking turns, doing a promo thing just comes across so corny, no matter how good he was at the end, because he was very good, I thought. Yeah. And then even next week, like next week or this week, they're doing another. It's like a, I don't know what they call it, a parlay celebration. Or yeah, the inner circle, part the parlay. It's a celebration of the inner circle because <sighs> they might split. They've been together two years. They are splitting though, hundred percent splitting. Like I, I yeah. looking at. I mean, I know people don't like hearing. You know, I'm not. I'm not even making the argument. You, you try and criticize the fact there's too many stables in AEW and the wolves will come for you. I'm not even saying that. But I am saying the Inner Circle and Pinnacle are very, very similar as stables go. And I don't think you need both in the same company. I think that's that's more the problem than saying just simply saying there's too many stables. Or they're well on the way out, I think. I think Jericho's uh, yeah. going to do his, his lone wolf Terry Funk gimmick. And yeah, it's a nice way of separating them without forcing them to feud with each other. Because that's the other thing, isn't it? If you end a stable, yeah. someone has to turn. Well, no, they don't. They just have to split off and do their own thing because they lose the step match. That's totally coming. I think that's, that's why we're getting one more i can take one more jp one more one more jericho celebration segment next week and then i'm fucking done don't need any more i'm fucking mjf better not start doing them because christ um yeah some of these wwe ideas that jericho's got aren't the best take him off telly for a few weeks that'd probably do please if he lose if they lose like 
you kind of want to go, right, this is what the finish to Blood and Guts should have been mm. in terms of taking him out for a while. Because mm. I think that's what you, need, you kind of need to have that because it just becomes an excuse to have him on. Like there's just a segment where it's just like Chris Jericho comes out. But yeah, the idea of the decimation, I, I don't know. It, it, for me, it's it's not far off like kind of like doing a Nexus celebration video. They've not been around long enough to kind of really. They've been a anything. big part of the show, though. Like they were the first stable. Big part of the show. Yeah, I'm doing it somewhat of a I service. Don't know if that's yeah. a fair comparison. But, uh, but, yeah, I, I'm just I'm just looking here and like you know obviously we were talking about last night about some of the Jericho elements been a bit stale. I'm looking here on Fozzie's website and Fozzie touring in September. Never Wednesdays. I know this because Steph told me. Literally literally throughout that whole period. And you think, you know, does he just want a little break before he goes on tour there and things like that? And he's always someone who's understood the value of going away and coming back hotter and things like that, you know. So I almost feel like with him, he's going to know that there's a good time to go away and then come back again as uh, as well. And his stock, will be, his stock will be increased coming back to live crowds and things like that as well. If suddenly uh, suddenly he's been forced to disband and he goes away or something and then he's returning to you know, full arenas and Judas hits and things like that, suddenly he's going to go from this where he's at the middle where he's feeling a bit stale and things like that to just feeling like that one last proper star run probably that he can that he can get out of it as well but mm-hmm. um, that would make his sense. job he's done his job for what aw what he was which was first of all like helping them get onto a tv network which mm-hmm. he did with with his signing helping them get a good healthy television contract secure decent ratings which he's been proven to do mm-hmm. and establish lots and lots of younger stars which he's done and they've secured another television deal and an extension of that. Don't forget, his segments some are always you, too great. The segments are always yeah. on top, no matter how much we hate them. <laughs> Sometimes, no, exactly, and that's yeah. why that's why they're there, isn't it? Unfortunately, it's mm. it's it's like kind of a byproduct. But then it's not always about all the stuff that we like. Mm. So you look at it like that. He's done all of the things that you could ask them. He's helped establish a startup wrestling company. The idea of him taking a little bit of a break for a bit would be something to be well-deserved. I still think you'd want to use him. You'd want to use him for storylines. Uh, he'd be the kind of person you go, actually, you're not on television for like a couple of months. Do you want to have a look at this and just have an overview and tell me what you think overall? Have him like watching as like kind of a consultant of like watching the show because I think he could be really, he could benefit from from that. Definitely. Um, Bob, speaking of um, Jericho and doing everything, uh, moving over to our last thing, we've got a huge amount of time left, so we might have to uh, keep it brief this week. He's the, uh, he's, the, he's, the, he's the narrator, so it ties in. Dark Side of the Ring. Um, Good shout. Talk a little bit uh, about that before we do go. They had the uh, Collision in Korea uh, episode uh, this week, and I've got to be honest, it's not a... Not a subject I knew a lot about. I almost want to revisit it at some point, maybe for a, a deep dive, or maybe not a flashback. Those shows look rough. I don't know if I want to particularly sit through the uh, the shows themselves. But uh, another good episode of the Dark Side of the Ring, I thought. I thought uh, Two Cold Scorpio was, uh, for me, was the highlight. But I thought uh, your mate Eric Bischoff, Gareth, was uh, 
particularly uh, good as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's another uh, another strong episode, I think, for this season of Dark Side of the Ring. I think we haven't had a, haven't really had a miss yet. Um, and yeah, it was it just it was kind of like it was one of them stories where maybe I've heard one of the cast, maybe maybe I've heard Scott Norton talk about it before. But I think getting all of these people together and getting them, you know, even Anoki, you know, on the show to to tell the story from the the varying points of view made for a really compelling show for me. I, I was. You know, I expected this to be maybe not a low point of the season, but one I, I wouldn't have, you know, a lot to say about. But yeah, I came out. I learned a thing or two. I learned not to mess with too cold Scorpio, and I learned not to not to go for a jog um, if you're ever in North Korea. And yeah, <laughs> I learned it was a yeah very very interesting story to be honest. And I didn't know yeah the uh, the the record of uh, attendance belongs to them. It was quite uh, fun seeing uh, our Eric. Uh, gloat about that i'm sure uh does he go on about a, a lot on his podcast gareth is this a, is this a story that's uh that's come up over time i, I have heard this going for a running career story um <laughs> <laughs> on a good probably 50 plus occasions and mention it in different places over the uh over the years definitely uh definitely one that he, he falls back on but mm. yeah i agree it was one of those things where there was definite things in there that i learned stuff that mm. i've never you know stories that i've never heard before as as well probably mainly the two gold scorpio stuff you know if i'm honest i think maybe if it didn't have that scorpio element in this show it would have lost a lost a big part of it probably really i thought the uh the, the scorpio hawk stuff was kind of something that kind of helped helped sort of pin it together really over a, over a few days and some of that was probably the more surprising stuff than some of the korean stuff necessarily but mm. i think as a as a documentary i think it was just it didn't sort of outstay its welcome. It yeah. felt like it was the right amount of mm. stories that fit into the the time they had. It moved across at quite a nice pace. That they got good people again. I think the talking heads in in this particular season of Dark Side of the Ring have been uh, much better than maybe in the in the early days of this show. They've they've got some. It feels like they've got a bit more budget or something like that to get more people directly involved or some more credible voices and things like that to be to be to be talking about uh, talking about things as well. But um, but yeah, all in all, uh, all in all, good stuff. And yeah, we'll just make sure that you don't leave any um, metal chopsticks around too cold Scorpio, and you'll be all right. <laughs> what do you think he was going to do? Like you're in Korea, mate. Don't don't, don't stab someone. You know. <laughs> See, I, I thought all that stuff was really weird. <laughs> yeah, it, it, but it, do you not think it's there need to be reminders like not the time or fucking place to be having some daft roided up row between the pair of you? Yeah. Like, can yeah. you hold your shit together for just four fucking days? Yeah, yeah. like that. It kind of felt like just an almighty bollocking was needed. Well, to that but then if you well, don't, was it the place hmm. for the, the documentary? Because like. Hawk is dead. Like, Tuchel Scorpio was like clearly still holding on to that grudge. He's like, just so you all know, I did batter him. It's like yeah. proper lads. That what was it about? <laughs> Rick was Flair it just a row there? Yeah. yeah. It was about Ric Flair, wasn't it? It was yeah. something because Scorpio had beef with Flair. And then he said something about Ric Flair. And then Sir Hawk was like sort of defending Flair a bit. And then yeah. just for defending Ric Flair on, on another occasion, Hawk could, have, Hawk could have wound up dead in Korea and Tuchel Scorpio spent the rest of his life in. Some um, yeah, some Korean cell just be, just for the the honor of Ric Flair. I really like Too Cold Scorpio. Again, was that the time and the place to get as wound up about that as much as anything else? I mean, it it just feels yeah, it's really odd because actually you mentioned about it being the right length. They're the kind of things I I, I 
kind of had written down here mm-hmm. because otherwise it's quite familiar stories of the North Korean surveillance state, isn't it? So the Hawk Scorpio stuff, I kind of, I said to you guys yesterday, it's like you could entirely remove that from the documentary and you would mm-hmm. really be none the wiser about it, mm-hmm. but it's there to add color as much mm-hmm. as anything else. It's just like a bit of a kind of them going mental um, which clearly, knowing what Hawk was like, God knows the amount of fucking cold turkey that he was going through. Good luck getting somers on the streets of Pyongyang, is what I say. <laughs> I don't have much joy with that. Scott Norton mm. looks like he's gone there with what could only be described as the wrong attitude. Because <laughs> yeah. he looks like, <laughs> I'm going to fucking kick off at you. It's like... And he just needed, they just needed to be told where they were going and what it was like. Like, yeah. they just were like, what What the fuck? I can't do anything. I'm playing pool. These lads are staring at me. Like, it's all kicking I called off. the country a shithole on the phone. And they yeah. like, what do you expect? Did you not think they'd probably be listening to your call? Yeah. You just explained that they're all following you to your room and you can't go, you can't even play pool without getting permission from yeah. the fucking soldiers, like, and the, the government to, 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 to leave you. Yeah. I mean, he, he was more charismatic here than his entire WCW great. run in the I 90s. Yeah, like, yeah. absolutely. It's just that his stories do familiar follow a familiar pattern of Scott Norton is angry. Scott Norton <laughs> stares at the wrong way at a group of North Korean lads. Scott Norton gets a bollocking until someone points a gun in his face and tells him to stop fucking doing it. At which point the penny drops but it's taken several times by which point everyone else seems to have gotten with the fucking program so i could never understand this about about him at all but yeah he's 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 gone there and he's just decided to kind of like tee off about it uh, mm. as 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 much as anything else i mean it is ultimately in the scheme of things one of the lighter dark side of the rings yeah. but in some ways I think after the previous couple of weeks, it was mm. still a change of pace because it was much mm. more historical. Mm. And again, like you guys, loads of stuff didn't really know. I was, um, we were talking about it on the pre-show, the idea of um, getting Andy Ogden. I know he covered uh, Collision in Korea for Graps and Claps, but he'd have been a person they needed in that crowd by the sounds <laughs> of things. Him and, him and Jeff. It's <laughs> exactly that. Nice. Um, what's the shoes he wears? Just like the heel on the floor, just like fucking kicking out. Oh, it was yeah. He's got all was yeah. Like I say, he was you, you hit the nail on the head. Like with him, like he just he was compa- he was genuinely compelling in a way I've never seen him being compelling at, like a in a wrestling environment. But yeah, you do you do look around. And I think you're the problem here, mate. And he kept he was obsessed with the fact that like all the security was short and small. And it was like it's like I bet you said yeah. that to the faces. I bet you even brought that up. Um, I bet they love that. Oh fucking yeah. Christ! So <laughs> I yeah. call my wife. And the phone fucking hang up. So I smashed up the phone in my hotel room and then they turned up and I didn't know why they were angry with me. So I stared at him and I was like, what are you looking at, you short motherfucker? So they put a gun to my head. At which point I thought, my God, this got serious. I bet it's, it's like, you have not helped the situation in no. any way, shape or form here. He said that the he's proven he's, he's, Yeah. He said at the start, he, 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 he had that opportunity. He had that thing of like, he had that attitude of almost like, "Am I wrong? Am I wrong?" Kind of thing, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, waiting for confirmation. Uh, am, I, am, I, am I wrong to be smashing this phone up? You know, like, me? Exactly. You 
he, he said and start like, oh yeah, we, we, you know, we're, we're wrestlers. We used to live in the wrestler life, and then we. Got, I was like, I wonder what the wrestler life is that he's talking about there. Uh, yeah. It's very, uh, <laughs> very different experience. Oh. I loved him. I loved him calling though. He, he, he did call the um, the flare match the the flare Inoki main event oh, the yeah. greatest match in the history of this business. Like, um, yeah. <laughs> which because I, I don't know if that was on the basis that they that was the one match that actually got some like crowd reaction, and I was yeah. thinking like. Like, do, do, do you not consider they've been maybe told that, that this is the match they, they have to put a reaction? It's, it's not a, it's not it's not Flair falling backwards over the top rope that uh, got them off their feet suddenly, you know, or you know, dropping face first on the on the mats around the outside of the ring. Maybe they were told that this was, uh, you know, they could been presented in this way that this was the one they actually had to react to, Scott. But. That would make a lot of sense, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, guns to the back of the, the lads in the front rows, Ed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but you know the way that, like, George Formby, or who was it George Formby? Was it Norman Wisdom was big in Albania? Maybe Ric Flair in North Korea. And they just, you know, when the Flair flop stuff happens, they knew the reactions and stuff mm. like that. There was just no selling everybody else. Mm. Just like Scott Norton, mm, this is WCW Scott Norton, not New Japan Scott Norton. I'm sitting mm. on my hands. <laughs> I, I love the way Hogan was like, doesn't work for me, brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Flair gets dragged into it and he's apparently still mad about it to this day. <laughs> Brilliant. Because <laughs> he was second choice. I, Not happy. As, as you said earlier on, though, Flair is ultimately, uh, he's drawn a much bigger house than Hulk Hogan. Obviously, it helps when you've got the North Korean state behind you to help provide the numbers. That's like the kind of big proviso. Well, Eric was enjoying getting the little digs in, wasn't he? There about like oh, you know funny. the bigger a bigger show than WrestleMania, you know, bigger thing than Vince has ever drawn, and things. You know, like, he was loving it. I was thinking it makes me laugh how him like he he keeps. You know, they've put him in the Hall of Fame and things, and they will kind of bring him back into the WWE fold a little bit, but he. he he doesn't care. He'll still he'll still throw those digs in at every available opportunity. Like, Good lad, Eric. <laughs> Got to take his risk, Daddy. Oh, God, JF. I'd like to see this a lot more. MLW runs in Burma and stuff <laughs> like that. Just like they, they all just start doing like kind of mad deals with totalitarian regimes around the world to run professional wrestling there. Look, we had wrestling in China. They had about didn't they? They had about eleven thousand. Uh, like some show with a load of American. No one had a fucking clue what was happening. And <laughs> OWE isn't a thing anymore. So clearly it didn't take, you know, any traction. But I'll tell you, get yeah, a reaction for the this. Fiend. There you go. Solve that Fiend round. Do another WrestleMania, Vince, and put Fiend versus Randy Orton, but do it in North Korea. Um, mm. At least we get a reaction. And two, they might not come back. So we'd all win then. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> do you know what? If you ask me, if we're going to compare shows based in totalitarian regime. <laughs> I much prefer Collision in Korea in some ways to um, the, Saudi the kind shows. of super show, the Saudi shows. I don't know why. I could be wrong. I've not watched Collision in Korea, and I'll probably feel completely <laughs> That's a question for the next Q&A for, uh, for JP to rank uh, totalitarian oh, yeah. governments. <laughs> to, well, problematic who's, who's would the least be there in a fucking heartbeat. Mate. <laughs> problematic to least problematic. Uh, I I thought it was quite endearing as well. I watched like all the wrestlers on it were like so enamored with the fact they were on tour with Muhammad Ali, and it was like oh yeah, he ran yeah. up the steps and it was like oh, he was yeah. twenty again and oh it was so and then he was doing magic tricks and we were all loving it. And it's like you can tell it's literally 
literally the highlight of these lads' lives that they were. Uh, they did something with uh, Muhammad Ali. I love the way they thought they were safe because Muhammad Ali was with them as well. <laughs> like nothing's going to happen to us because Muhammad Ali's here, so they're not going to pull anything funny because you know Muhammad Ali's here. Like why, why would they do that to Muhammad Ali? Like, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> says a lot for uh, Rick Flair, doesn't it? And, uh, yeah, his, uh, he's, he's, his celebrity he's not status. fucking Batman, though, is he, Ali? <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Might have needed it for the kicked off. Um, and yeah, I love that the other story of Ric Flair kissing that literally kissing the tarmac when they got back as well. Oh, amazing. Yeah, he, I wish it, he was the only missing thing from here as a talking head. Yeah. I wanted to hear in his own words, you know, how bad the plane was, how upset he was it wasn't first class. Bit of Hogan griping in there. That was the only trick missed, I think, on this one. I don't know if he was kissing the tarmac though, or whether he was just trying to like suck up some fuel off the tarmac because he'd had four days with no booze there. Actually. He must have been absolutely. He must have been hanging in like the, the first the first smell of a drop of petrol oh, on the my. runway. He was fucking oh, down God. there. He was now he's sucking diesel. That, that first that first plane out there. The title of possibility. God, I'm I'm game for that. But like, people do, think it's a Kevin what, Nash retrospective. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> that's the that's a great title for a Kevin Nash kind of retrospective for that. Or is it? It's featuring just directly some, rude. Sorry. Yeah. Carry on. Featuring um, several Nitro girls. Anywho. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um, it's two hours. No, 15, no, one say. no, no, no. It's it's it. No one's listening. It's There's only four people point. still watching no. live. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone it was an amazing point I'll have it'll come back in a second oh. but we'll let it go good episode though yeah <laughs> I think that's the end yeah that's the good episode one. Warrior next week um, oh. which I know leads you two have seen the Warrior documentary think, is it worth me watching yeah I think we'll probably I mean we'll have to we'll go into it in more detail yeah. next week I think the comparison of the two documentaries is going to be the uh, the key point but yeah this was the A&E version I know you, you saw it as well Gareth uh, I don't know on you but I, I was expecting to hate this you know I thought it was a good piece of work I think yes you know they went a little bit light on his grieving widow like i've saw some complaints about that oh she's she said that he he got the idea of being a conservative pundit from listening to rush limbaugh but in this in two lines in some interview he gave once he said it was his wife that interviewed him introduced him to conservative stuff it's like fucking husband's dead shut the fuck up you gobshite like it's not it's it's not worth fighting over you know like if she wants to remember her husband in a nice way fucking let her because the documentary didn't pull those punches like the documentary it presented her it presented his two poor fucking daughters who who lost their dad you know and and let them tell the story of the, the the man they knew and then it didn't it didn't gloss over it jp they literally showed on the screen little you know highlight clip um wording of you know some of the horrible things he said in speeches there were clips mm. of some of the horrible things he said in speeches. Okay. They didn't shy away from that stuff whatsoever. I thought it. I honestly thought it was really balanced. Um, and yes, there's some hero worship in there because you know, yeah, you know, people do still see him as a hero. But I thought, other than you know, they skipped over the WCW bit of his career, which I thought was an odd editorial decision, especially mm. with the amount of time they had. But I thought it was pretty comprehensive, and yeah, all the stuff about you know his relationship with Vince and wanting that father figure, I think was you know pretty well done. And yeah, I reckon Dark Side of the Ring's still going to be better next week. But I don't know about you guys, but I, I thought it was a pretty balanced, you know, good bit of a documentary making this. I, I did. I really, really enjoyed it, and, and I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it as well because mm. of the you know the way some of the the other um, A and E stuff's been been done so far. But very similar to um, 
to a couple of the ones previously, they spent more time than I anticipated about the early life and the early days of their careers as as well, which, you know, again, you think a lot of these, you know, the age we are and people like the Ultimate Warrior and Randy Savage and things like that, you've heard every story under the sun about them, things like that, whereas I did actually feel like on the first hour, hour, first half hour of this, I learned more about the Ultimate Warrior and his yeah. backstory and his upbringing and what he was like at school and these things with his father mm. and all that side of things. Like they really told a good story that, that true or not, correlation or causation and all that kind of thing. But I think it helped articulate some of the reasons why he had the personality and character traits that he did have and they presented sort of a strong argument for the for the way he was based on some of his past i think again in the um in, in the same way that you know some of the previous ones they had some great footage from you know from memphis and things um, you know from world class and stuff like that a lot of old footage there that you haven't necessarily seen a lot of so it was go warrior stuff yeah yeah all that like you, you, you normally expect oh, <laughs> awful. You, you normally expect though that this stuff's going to jump to wwe stuff very very quickly and you're going to be mm. watching this regurgitated footage that you've seen a million times before and things like that but i didn't feel like that was the, the case and one of the things that i really enjoyed about this was they had a lot of footage of him either side of his promos so you saw him oh, just before great. he was going to do a warrior promo and then just as he'd finished it just switching back to himself in the getting his direction off then vince yeah. telling him you know slow down here more intensity there and more I, intensity. I, loved I, loved, <laughs> I loved seeing that direction of things yeah. but especially that one where he had to do that apology promo <gasps> that was fascinating stuff absolutely yeah. fascinating and like vince is there going Jim, just do it. It's a work, Jim. It's a work. Just do it, kind of. You know, you just yeah. have to apologise. And but Warriors taking it. So it was their relationship in a nutshell. Was, that one scene, brilliant to watch. Them up, that. Didn't it? Yeah. it was like, yeah. a, like I, I don't think Dark Side of the Ring's going to have that kind of footage. I actually, they might lose this one. I thought it was going to be an easy, easy mm-hmm. layup for them to kill it and be a better documentary. But like, yeah, they're, they're having that, and you say all that old footage, and even having Sting on as a talking head. You know, talking about you know yeah, yeah. his bodybuilder who walked into his gym and talking about how yeah, you know they were they were trying to be a babyface team, but they didn't know what they were doing, so they turned heel, and then you know Warrior being Warrior got into a dispute with Bill Watts and wanted to leave and Sting, you know, turned, I think Warrior didn't want to turn up to a show, but but Sting knew they'd only get paid if they went to the show, so he went. Kind of shows the difference in their personalities as well, you know, mm. and you got Sting on tape talking about the fact, well, that's, that was probably better for both of us, because obviously, you know, the way t- things turned out, and yeah, you're right, you know, all of that stuff, I thought that, that they had loads of great footage and photos of Warrior as a massive bodybuilder. I mean, if anything, he made Sting look tiny, didn't he? In <laughs> some, oh, yeah. some of that footage, like Sting didn't look impressive at all but i bet you he was if he was stood next to anyone else um yeah having all that stuff made yeah i thought it was a really comprehensive look at of, of yeah like you say why he's the person he is why he became the rest that he was and like you said then crucially the the relationship with vince that you know led to us you know coming in and out of the company um over the years it, it was maybe missing not having a, a more up-to-date vince interview that was weird wasn't it like the fact that all of these other a and e ones have had vince 
current current day Vince with as uh, Ian Andrew Dice Clay will say he's like um, in uh, Crichton in, uh, in Red Dwarf he's got he's got head number three on today oh he's got head number five on today the one with the uh, the drawn on smile uh, he's uh, this was uh, this was head number nine it was the uh, the 2014 head he always nails those oh, he yeah. always fucking nails it. it's a so gift funny. that he has. Oh. But yeah, I mean that was only for me. That was the only thing it was missing. Yeah, maybe a bit more current Vince. But even the stuff they had from Vince was still, you know, interesting. And the, you know that Vince had had a lot to uh, to say about Warrior and, and their relationship and such. I think yeah, that was a positive. I'm, I'm interested to see the the difference on the basis that I think Dana Warriors tweets or obviously negative comments from her about like the dark side of the ring stuff so clearly she hasn't cooperated with that one whereas i thought there was an interesting dynamic with her on this one in that you got to see and while it was sort of i don't know it was it was nice to see the children and the family side of it and things like that it did they did come across as very odd she comes across as sort of a very a, a very weird weird woman and you wonder about them in their isolated lifestyle and things like that of them collectively together and things just comes across as as just just a bit odd that it it doesn't go into any detail like on that like per se but uh, you can read you can see enough and read enough between the lines of their relationship and that the way they were as a family and things like that that it just it it just seemed a bit bit odd so then you'd have to assume that the dark side of the ring without having her level of cooperation you think they probably are just going to turn the volume up on a lot of the you know the stuff in his interviews and his you know he's obviously his his video clips and all that that he was putting out at the time and things so you're probably just going to see a, a lot more of that footage and as much as that you know, needs to be seen from a documentary point of view. The balance of this across the piece and the story that they tell, I think, mm-hmm. I, I think, really worked. And I'm, and I'm, in, I'm intrigued to see with the dark side of the ring one whether they manage to achieve that, or if it is just does just come across as more of a hit piece and just present him as you know, look, this is you know, this is the worst traits of this which character, which is fine because he wasn't a nice man, you know, yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and 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 that's that's well and good. But as a documentary piece, this mm-hmm. one definitely uh, surprised me. Maybe it's just me, but like I get the impression with the with the dark side of the ring makers that they that if it's season one, I'd be expecting a kind of more of a sort of glamorized hit piece. I'd be wondering in the dynamic, did they interview any of his like kind of does he have brothers, sisters, kind of close? Yeah, his, his mum's on it. Friends. Yeah, yeah, and he had some of his friends from from school were on it as well, weren't they? Talking about all like yeah. he was loyal to them. Um, he, it comes down to the talking heads because mm. it's a series of people who just worked with him in wrestling and hated him because of kind of that. Then mm. you're gonna have an issue, aren't you? Mm. Like, because then it's just sort of like shooting fish in a barrel, yeah, just making him look like a prick. But that doesn't make him a good documentary. <laughs> it's yeah. it's the thing, and you know, and last well, we week, all saw you know, the Gareth... rise and fall or whatever the warrior one was that yeah. WWE did, where that was a hit piece. You know, they talked about it. On, yeah, on this, you know, how affected he was by that. Mm. Not a hard thing it's to it. do. But it's like the stuff with the like you know we were talking with Nick Gage last last week. It's it's not about necessarily presenting someone who is who is kind of likable, but are you presenting kind of giving a reason for kind of who they why are they like the person who they are? 
Mm, well, how yeah. did they become that person? And that feels like you're getting a bit more depth to it. Maybe it's just me on the A&E stuff. I think it's when the career covers parts of WWE that I've become less interested. Mm. And I haven't seen this one yet, just because it feels like that's the point where the bullshit meter is kind of up to 11. Because mm. at, 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 at any point when Pete Rosenberg was on the screen, yep. that was when it went downhill because some of the stuff he was oh, saying was just, was just wrong. He had his timelines wrong in certain instances and things like that. It was just totally, totally meaningless but yeah from mm. even there just thinking about back to you know the best stuff about him being at school and you think about him like defining his character and things where it showed him going to his like he'd gone to his 10-year school reunion and he was he only had time for the people who'd had time for him when he was at school and everyone else was almost like dead to him at the at the at the, at the event sort of thing as well and and again you just see that sort of like reflected in his personality and throughout life almost that it was like you're either on his page or you're not kind of thing and, yeah. and that you know that to to his fault you know that was something that was massively detrimental to him in so many facets of his of his life be it his political opinions be it his trying yeah. to work from a business standpoint with Vince be it his relationship with other wrestlers and things like that and you know it was a it was a, was it was an intriguing look inside uh, that man's brain yeah I think you'll yeah. like it JP I do like I say the yeah. same as Gareth shocked me you know the, the job they did on it and yeah you know, Dark Side of the Ring's got a, a tough act to follow. Um, I will say one thing I don't like, like, you know, I mentioned at the top, the stuff with Dana Warrior, like, okay, yes, she shouldn't be in the, the position she's got with WWE. Okay, yes, the way they lionize him, considering all the horrible things he did and said, you know, isn't right. But like, you literally see people when, like, I saw a promo for the Dark Side of the Ring once a day, and after comments with people tagging her, going, ah, I bet you're not happy about this. And it was just like... <laughs> Her husband's dead. You know what I mean? Like, what do you want to do? You, yeah. He was scum. I hated him. I mean, I know she has got like she comes. You're right, Garrett. She does come across a bit like she's in some kind of cult, happy cult or something. Like there's something a little bit off with her. But yeah. I, I just don't think that's the, the cue is strong in that one. Yeah, uh, probably, probably. But also, sorry, picky battles, that's an awful but picky thing. Battles, so, yeah. like, you know, it's yeah. like, of course she's going to say nice things about her dad's husband. Um, and yeah, again, I think the documentary did a good job of presenting that while not just presenting it as the absolute fact, while, you know, clearly making clear all of those negative points as well. So yeah, definitely think you'll like that one, JP. Hmm. I'll watch that. And then uh, maybe watch some Warrior Award bullshit afterwards as well. <laughs> uh, WWE Network. Some MCW as well, mate. Some Dragon Gate match, yeah. Watch all that too. Yeah, MCW. <laughs> that, that Dragon Gate match. I'll yeah. watch that Raid the Reyes. I've got rounds to that as well. Revel no wrestling. Double Plenty of content. Well. God's yeah. sake, nearly four hours worth of online. Yeah, six we, hours. We have, we haven't got time to talk about my Steiner's marathon that I did on oh, Friday night as well. We'll oh. save that to next week. Oh. Was it good? Can we, can we We can get it at that. Was it good? Do you have a good we need, time? We need a spin-off show on Friday night, which is what the week. We can have four minutes if you want it. Mate. I can cut it out somewhere else. No, no, you're all right. You're all right. Let's just say I watched the Steiner's against Doom. I watched the Steiner's against oh. um, Williams and Gordy twice. Oh. I watched the Steiner's against the Nasty Boys. Sarah went out on the piss and I just sat in the house watching, uh, doing a little um, three-year timeline of Steiner Brothers matches. And yeah, what a... Uh, oh, I didn't know you did what that. That's what, amazing. What, what, a, what, what a night I had. Who's <laughs> <laughs> the real winner there? Me. I wasn't the one with my fucking head in the toilet throwing up for, uh, for an hour the following morning. <laughs> <laughs> did you chuck some star ratings out? That's all I want to know, Gareth. Was there any, uh, any, any big ones? 
Oh yeah, I mean, well, the, the classic. Sarah's the old, puke. The old. <laughs> <laughs> there was some five, five peas work their ways in there, don't they? <laughs> oh no, it was the uh, it was the old um, yeah, Super Bowl one that was in there as well. The the Luger Sting against Steiners match. That's a good oh. good four four star match. The old uh, PWI match of the year. I remember for that year. But yeah, I threw a four at uh, the Beach Blast '92 Steiner Brothers Williams and Gordy match as as well. I, I love that Nasty Boys match from Halloween Havoc '90. That was a three point seven five there as well. So there's a oh. lot of quality, a lot of quality in there. And oh. I might uh, I might pair it up this week. I, I was looking there and just seeing doing the uh, doing the same uh, with um, but just looking at their New Japan run as well, and just mm. some of the matches they had um, with um, with with different different combinations over there. Be it Hiroshi Hase, and uh, there's a there's a Bigelow Vader match on uh, um, on New Japan World as uh, as well against them. So yeah, I think it might good be top a, five. This mm. yeah, five, yeah, five to one. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> five to one. There you go. Do, 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 your own, do, do your own work, so, yeah, lads. That'll be it. But that, that was that was. I must admit that was that was influenced by uh, Chris Lane on that Graps and Claps mm. uh, career show as well because he he was saying about the Steiner brothers being one of the matches of the the show on that career show and that just mm. inspired me. It just got me thinking. Like, yeah, yeah. I just want to want to see. Uh, Rick and Scott are throwing out a few big moves there. So there you go. That's my Friday night. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, always good to uh, to watch the, uh, the brothers go at it. Yeah, um, I was thinking chucking a chucking the Steiner's squash match in there as well. Just mm-hmm. on there, just to kind of like... Oh, no one kills oh, yeah, people like Scott Steiner. Just see them destroying people here. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Frankenstein are like, you know, how, how phony and shit the to, to, to Hurricane Rana's look these days when you see Scott Steiner. That was a shoot. That was every bit of shoot, that movie. Oh. People just went on their head. People, he must have been backstage. Oh. Like, yeah, yeah, just land on the top of your head, mate. It'll be sound. <laughs> like, fucking what cool. are you going to do if you had a problem with it? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and you, look. you look like a jobber yeah. in 1990 and you're going up to Rick and Scott Steiner. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Brian Nobbs, Brian Nobbs takes one in that Halloween Havoc match, and yeah. Nobbs look, he looks he's like he's just practically just going to go straight through the ring the way he takes it, like at first, <laughs> like it's a, it, it looks it looks great, but you just expect it to just see these two legs dangling out of like a hole in the in, in the ring the way he, the way he fucking takes it. But uh, somebody oh, needs yeah. to bring it back. Somebody modern Quality. needs to start doing it like like Scott did, like because it doesn't look like cooperation when because it's got the leap out in it as well, and it's just like kind of yeah. like one motion. It's like it's a DDT, isn't it? It's not. Nothing like the uh, the shitty runners we see today. What a man! Got blew a- your mind the first blew time. My, I was literally going to say blew my mind as a kid. That it, absolutely, oh. it was it was the best. I, I couldn't yeah. believe that somebody could do that. What a, mm. what and I'd read about it. You'd read about it in the Aptomags. Mm. The Aptomags <laughs> talked about this, and it was like, and then when you saw it, would have been worldwide. It would have mm. been something along, or perhaps even one of the videos. And he just got what the fuck, and it's yeah. just yeah, incredible stuff. Amazing, amazing. Oh well, yeah. There you go. A little bit of bonus Steiner's chat there at the end. <laughs> <laughs> well worth it. Always, uh, always up for that. But yeah, that uh, brings us uh, to the end of uh, a mammoth show. I'm expecting it to be a big one next week with obviously uh, double yes. or nothing there uh, to talk about. But yeah, over on the uh, the Patreon side, plenty coming this week. The uh, the XWF uh, look back slash uh, sliding doors. Uh, we're going to be doing a weekend preview for for double or nothing coming up on Friday, and then for our live listeners, uh, happy hour um, on or 
crappy hour um, on Sunday, usually a few hours to be honest, but uh, we'll be doing it before Double or Nothing to uh, to put ourselves in a in a big mood. We'll be uh, having a few drinks and then uh, sending you all off to uh, to watch the show. But yeah, that should be a, a fun Sunday night and a, a packed schedule this week as well as uh, all the JP's news updates coming up too. Um, yeah, sorry, I thought you were going to say something then, Gareth. No, no, you're completely right. It will be a busy week. Yeah, that's, that's all I would have added to the conversation. <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. So, yeah, everyone's got uh, that to look forward to. And, yeah, other than that... Oh, Gareth did have something. Yeah, Gareth. <laughs> I, I, I did. It was just because you said JP. I thought you were actually feeding into... I thought you were feeding into JP to plug some in there. But, yeah, just as always with the AW pay-per-views, um, if you uh, visit... Uh, if you are ordering it on Fight, uh, make sure you visit grappleapp.com forward slash support because... Mm. Uh, we'll be putting the link up there as as well again. So instead of going direct to to fight to order the show, if you order it through uh, through the Grapple website and the link that's on there, won't cost you a penny more. But it just means mm-hmm. you just get a little kickback off there that helps uh, with those server fees and everything like that for the app. And if you are watching it, make sure you get on the app and get your ratings in there as as well, uh, just so everyone can uh, sort of see evaluate the uh, the show against other ones and um, yeah, the people who may be picking and choosing. Uh, pick someone out there that, that they're going to watch but yeah if otherwise uh, to do that obviously just uh, visit google play visit um, app store and uh, download the app are you gonna have the free co- codes as well free trip again i'm expecting there'll be um, a free code there yeah, jp don't be plugging flights or uh, don't be don't be plugging business lounges or anything like yeah, that look, all yeah. vaccinated now come on you're a full crowd there mate there's people here expecting to get a flight over there selfish honestly no I'd, I'd imagine on thursday or friday there'll be something going up on the twitter feed there with a uh, a free pass to to win it as well to uh, as well so you never know you might get the chance to to watch it for free excellent there you go yeah grappleapp.com slash support for all of that and yeah that's it for us uh, for another show we'll be back next monday with the uh, review of that and yeah all of that good patreon stuff coming up this week so yeah that's it for us see you all have a good week bye bye yeah. <laughs> <laughs>